If you're an adventurer, there's one place that you absolutely have to shop. There is, because there's this place called Mototomic, and they have the gas can hoodie, which when you put it on, it feels like a hug. And if you're a true adventure rider, you know that some days don't go as planned and you need a hug. But not only the gas can hoodie, Mototomic has other things too. Like what, Cappy? Like beanies, cups, stickers, t-shirts, and probably my favorite dry bag. That orange dry bag is badass. It is. Mototomic.com. Link in the description. So, Chappie, I got a confession to make. Confess to me. I've been talking to our buddy from B-Moto, Paco Pete. You know B-Moto, that shop that does really cool stuff like... Off-road performance engines and suspensions. They even can Cerakote with ceramic finishes. So the outside is just as strong as the inside. Which is awesome and brings me to my confession, Cody Proof Certification. Because Paco Pete told me they're going to take care of my engine and Cody Proof it. That's something that not too many places can say. No, definitely not. I would just suggest go over to bmoto.com and check it out. They've got some pictures of what they do. Bootiche.com. Link in the description of the podcast. Yes, because it's hard to spell, but they do good work. Hello and welcome to another episode of Throttled Adventures. Today, Cody and I have the pleasure of talking with Tim Card, who is going to be driving a, well, driving here. I'm like, I've gone to Europe. (laughs) Who am I talking to right now? I don't even Uh, know you. He is going to be riding a motorcycle from coast to coast for cancer awareness Without further ado, uh, Tim, uh, why don't you let everybody know who you are and what's going on? Sure. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really, I can't thank you enough. Like, thank you for coming you know, on again. Sure. Yes. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know, I sent, I sent a lot of emails out to a lot of big podcasts and YouTube stuff and, and you guys answered. So, uh, so here we are and I'm excited about it. Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, there are other podcasts that seem to, uh, pick up on our, uh guests and hosts and oh yes yeah. so yeah i'd love to get in a, a whole circuit of yeah the beginning of something wonderful and beautiful i'm sure but believe it or not the that has happened quite frequently we've had somebody on and then all of a sudden you see them on other podcasts so. that's cool that's yeah, cool i'm so all for that hopefully this will open doors <laughs> that, yes, that's that's yeah, i hope so i'm gonna shut up but tim is an amazing guest we had him on another day but it didn't record so Anyway, I'm going to let Tim talk because he is awesome. <laughs> I'm excited. So, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so glad to be doing this again. Um, you know, I, I've always said that if you can spend, you know, two hours with Chappie and Cody, then then four hours is even better. You know, so you should do that if you can. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank so you. So, anyway, for that, you're welcome. Brilliant lie. <laughs> uh, my before we get too far afield, my name is Tim Card. Um, I've been uh, married. We have we have seven children, uh, as we I think somebody alluded to that earlier. But seven kids, all you know, one at a time. No twins. No like, you know, two ten year olds that aren't twins. Like we just did it one after another. No sex um, tablets. Nope. No sex tablets. No, no, no. All one ups. Um, and uh, yeah, married for twenty two years. And my oldest son is twenty one. My youngest is uh, ten. We have five boys and two girls. 
I know, right? It's a lot. Like seven is so many when you're, it's a big number in reference to children. You know, not so much for dollars or, too. or motorcycles. Like seven's not a lot of motorcycles, but it is a lot of children. Yeah, yeah it is well, a big they span. go through phases. And so as you get one out of a phase, then you got one right behind. Like the motorcycles. You know, the terrible twos or threes. Oh, no, the, the children. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just, you mean the children? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you going, man. I can't believe you have all your hair and it's not gray. Well, I I didn't for a while and it was for a while. So that's part of the story. um, uh, Yeah. So yeah, we had a a big spread, right? Like we had one in college and one in kindergarten the same year, which is, which is a lot. Wow. Yeah. When, when my daughter Lydia, and we found out where I had my daughter Lydia, we had just finished potty training my daughter Madeline. And my first thought when she said, Hey, we're having another baby was shit. I just got (laughs) done with diapers. Damn it. I mean, good. Congrats. Yay. But Yay. oh my God. The diapers again. again. So many diapers. Oy. So yeah, we got seven children um, and uh, I love them to death. And But that's when I, I'm not here to talk about my kids. So I, I gladly will. Uh, why I'm here is that, as I said earlier, I'm riding a motorcycle across the country uh, to raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So I got involved with them because in, in 2017, I was, I owned a CrossFit gym. CrossFit Lancaster was, was my gym. And, um, you know, I, we had a really special place there and I was in really good shape and, and, you know, fighting shape, really shaped my life. And except for this one pain, this nagging pain I had in my left side that just wouldn't quit. It wouldn't go away. And I I kept trying to hide it and think I probably pulled a muscle or something and, and just bury it and hope it goes away and ride it out. And I was coaching one of the classes one. I was an evening class and there's probably like, I don't know, 25, 30 people in there. And yeah, usually when, when you're in a CrossFit gym, the coach is up front yelling at you, do it again, do it faster, do it heavier, do it better. You know, and this time I'm sitting on a pile of weights and I'm all like, I'm pasty and sweaty and white. And, and uh, our nutritionist Kelly looks over me and says, Tim, you need to go to the hospital. Like something's wrong. You need to, you need to leave now. Like I'll take care of this. You go. And like, Kelly's not one to really mince words a lot. Like, yeah, probably about eight months before this, I was I was feeling kind of out of shape and feeling like I kind of let myself go. And I, I talked to her and I said, Kelly, like, I really need some help. I just feel, I feel so old and fat. And she says, Tim, you're not old. <laughs> just oh, kind of <laughs> left it hanging there. Like, oh man, Kelly. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, when she says, you know, you got to go, like, all right, I, I probably have to go. So I went to urgent care and, um, yeah, and they told me that I had either pulled a muscle or I had gas. Now, which one of those would you like us to treat? Uh, so I said, please, you know, give me something for the pulled muscle because the last time I don't want to be, you know, the guy who went to the hospital because he had to fart. Like that's just embarrassing. Right? So give me something for the pulled muscle. <laughs> right? I'd never live that down. Right? And if that was me, I, I understand if, that. If something, if somebody did that to me, that was very that. nice of her. I, I, I need to learn your tricks. Like I'm ready to learn, master. The gra- grasshopper well, is here. Like I teach stay me. at home and just do her bidding. So <laughs> that'll but, do it. So, um. It wasn't if someone, gas, you know, if someone went to the hospital and told me that to go and it was gas, I would, would give them Pepto Bismol at every possible opportunity. Oh, like yes. any gift I mean, giving opportunity would never end. Pepto. Yeah, like in like wine glasses, like wine bottles. You open up like a nice bottle of wine. No, nope, it's some Pepto. Cheese? <laughs> <laughs> All over the place. So they told me I pulled a muscle, right? Which not unusual. I'd done it before. I'll probably do it again. With um, your profession? With uh, my like- profession. In my line of work, that happened. Right. So they gave me some Flexerol. So take some of this and take that and some Advil. And you know, by morning, you'll feel fine. You know, you'll be all right. So I did that. I took the Flexerol about nine. 
And, uh, and by midnight, it hurt so bad I couldn't take it anymore. And I drove myself to the ER. And that's when things started to really get interesting. Um, you know, they gave me a CAT scan. They gave me some wonderful pills, you know, to stop all the pain from happening. They told me a whole bunch of stuff I didn't have. You know, I didn't have impacted bowels. I didn't have, you know, my spleen wasn't blowing up. My appendix didn't rupture. Like, so all kinds of stuff that it wasn't. You know, they really didn't give me a lot of answers on what it was. And I kept asking, like, okay, cool, but, you know, what do I have? I'm very glad that my appendix can stay put, but, you know, what do I have? And uh, the doc's response is, well, you know, the ER's job is to address the acute problem and get you to your primary care physician. It's not to diagnose, it's to get you to your doctor. So, okay, I get that. Sure. Like, you want to stop the bleeding and get me on my way. I understand. But really, like, we've run out of options. Like, what is going on? I said, like, I don't have cancer, do I? And he said, really, you just need to go see your doctor. Okay, so this is where you slide him a fifty under the table, right? Come like, on, are man. you sure you can't see anything? <laughs> and uh, yeah, give him a loaded handshake because that's what the doctor's yeah. need as a tip. And um, so I went to my docs the next morning, <laughs> and uh, you know they're testing me for like lupus and Lyme disease and like all this stuff that I kind of knew it wasn't, but you gotta you gotta jump through the hoops and rule everything out, and um. And then Saturday morning, this was Friday, Saturday morning, I was able to log onto the hospital's patient portal and read my radiology report from the CAT scan. And the guy that I asked what I had multiple times and didn't give me an answer wrote the report. And what he wrote was, primary concern is lymphoma, secondary concern is testicular cancer. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh shit, oh, <laughs> I hope I don't have ball cancer. <laughs> that was my first Whoa. response. And and, and then so I was like, oh, wait a minute, home. hold on. You're at home looking at this. Right. I'm sure you're flipping out. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, I mean, that's not what the internet is for. Yeah. You know, no. The internet's for cat pictures, right? And silly animal fails and that kind of stuff. It's definitely right. not for learning that you have cancer. Like, that's not where you want that diagnosis. So, um, so that became, at that, up to that point, the longest weekend of my life. Yeah, and I, I dove into everything I could find out about lymphoma, like all I knew about lymphoma from my life was that my uncle George had it and he died. You know, that was the extent of my knowledge of lymphoma. So already I'm like, well, this is bad. Uh, and I, you know, I read into it and, and learned about my lymphatic system and how it works and, and why it's bad to have cancer there. And, and just dove into Dr. Google, who's not a good source oh, for boy. anything. No, you know, like he will, he will lead you astray. Um, if you're not careful and scare you to death. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the medicine might not kill you, but Dr. Google will scare you to death. <laughs> you're Dr. probably Google. fine. But, um, so then Monday morning I was able to get to my hospital, my doctor again, and I, I got there first thing and I just unloaded on them, just let loose for, for no good reason. You know, I just, I needed to yell at the closest medical professional I could find. And it was him. And I, I just, I let it go. And then I apologized profusely. I knew it wasn't his fault. He didn't know anything else. Like he didn't have the report either. So he couldn't have possibly done anything differently than he did. Um, so he got, it. it was cool that, you know, it wasn't cool, but I'm glad that he understood. I haven't seen him since, but I'm glad that he said it was okay. <laughs> I'm on I his do he's not fine. call list now. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm labeled as right. Tim do not answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, you know, then it becomes a game of hurry up and wait, right? You got to see the oncologist. You know what, Tim, we do think you have cancer. You have to see the oncologist as soon as we can. His next appointment is in two weeks. Well, that doesn't sound like as soon as you can at all, doc. Like that sounds like, you know, we got some time here and, uh, but there's nothing you can do. You just got to wait. You so I'm wait getting out. the chills right here because I'm, I'm just thinking this through like one weekend you find out possibly, you don't right. know. 
but then your Google doctrine and, and you, you don't know, but then you finally get back to your doctor, yell at him. I love that part. But, <laughs> but then like, I'm sure as a man, we like to, we want it fixed or mm-hmm. as a human, we just yes. want to get better. Yeah. And then the next appointment is two weeks. Yeah. Two long ass to weeks. Hell. Yeah. Where I'm riding on all this anxiety and like, who do I even, who do I even share this with? Right. Cause I don't want to be the guy that cried cancer. Right. That's, that's honestly worse than saying I had gas. Yeah. Right? Like, like I don't want to be the guy that said, told everybody I had cancer and everybody felt really bad. And then it turned out he didn't like, I don't want to be that guy, but right. I couldn't keep it bottled up either. Like it was right. Like, that's a was, huge yeah, like, like paradigm shift. It was awful. So like, there's a handful of people that I, that I shared my concern with. I don't know yet, but I, I think I'm pretty sick. Like, I think I'm, I'm in for a world of hurt here. And I'm terrified, you know, but I don't know anything uh, for two weeks. I just won't know. So just a couple of people that I talked to, 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 to kind of ease my mind and, and, and talk me through it. Um, yeah, and some people were, were, and I found this through the whole thing. Like some people were surprisingly better than others uh, at how they handle that kind of information. You know, it's mm. really odd. The, the, rea- the reaction and responses that people give you. I think most of it from either, either good intentions or fear. Yeah, you know, people, you say cancer, right? And everybody freaks out. And they don't know what to do. And they think if you say it quieter, it's not going to be as bad. And it, it, it has nothing to do with it, right? The volume of the, the volume word has matter. nothing to do with the intensity of the disease. But some people just don't know how to handle it and they just freak out. And some people like rise to the occasion in ways you would never expect. Never, ever, ever expect. Um, I got I got two cool stories about that I'll get to. But um, for now, I'm terrified and I don't know what to do and I'm, I'm shitting bricks. So- I finally get to the oncologist. He says, yeah, we have to take some tests still, but it looks like, you know, this is what you've got. We've done blood work. You need to get a biopsy on this mass and figure out what this is. Cause this thing was the size of like a lemon on my left side, just pushing against stuff. And, Ooh. and thank you. Like, thankfully it happened, right? Because usually lymphoma doesn't hurt. It's not the kind of thing that's, that's painful. It just grinds on you. It wears you down. Right. But there's not usually a lot of pain associated with it, but because this had this mass like pushing up against my psoas nerve in there. I felt it. And that's what got me to the doctor sooner. And if, if that wasn't there, I don't know how, how far this would have progressed before we had the chance to do anything. Um, so we did a bone, we did a, we did a, a mass, a biopsy of the mass. We did a bone marrow biopsy right there in the office. Have you guys oh. ever seen a bone marrow needle? They're fun. My <laughs> wife has teased me with those. Oh. She, she worked. Oh, you guys play weird games. Like, you need a safe well, word. Well, <laughs> it's like, did you do the laundry today? Yeah. A safe word. A safe word. Ah, bone marrow. Those so the safe word. Like, Motorcycle. Um, in other podcasts, we might have mentioned the safe word thing, but uh, we did. I'm going to. I'm going to plead the fifth. Yeah, sir. leave it alone. So <laughs> if, if you're getting angles. involved with a bone marrow biopsy needle, then you need a you need to use the safe word. So it's it's like a T. It's like a it's like a and you you know they put it on your hip. They put a little lidocaine on your hip and they stab you in the hip and they get it against your hip bone and they push and twist until it pops in right and like a corkscrew almost. But I've been Sorry, lifting heavy things. Out. I'm here. I've been lifting heavy things for like 10 years, right? My bones are dense. They're super dense. And the 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 woman that was doing the biopsy, she might have weighed 100 pounds soaking wet. You know, and she's on there. This is really hard to get. Oh, there it goes. And then they pull it out. And it makes this sucking noise. And it feels like it's sucking stuff out of your femur. But it's not. It's coming out of your hip. But it's the weirdest feeling. Oh, it's so hard. So... So we get the test. It comes back. Yeah, you've got this. It's called diffuse large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a 
particularly aggressive, but usually very treatable disease. It's a bully, right? It'll, it'll be mean and nasty. I want to ask again, what was yeah. the diagnosis? Diffuse large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's, a, it's, I don't know, it's a word. It's a mouthful. That's, that's a lot to say. No, I'm just asking because I will be asked. It's a, it's a bad safe you. word. It'll take too long to get it out. We, we <laughs> Diffuse large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the coolest guy and he had cancer. And the first thing yeah. is like, what, what was it? And I'll be like, I don't know. Refer to the, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. I'm surprised that the, they only put lidocaine on there. Like that that's what had, I was thinking. I mean, like, and he said a little lidocaine. Well, I mean, they probably like put they a significant amount it. on there. I mean, it, well, it, it's not that much a, because topical, right? Like it I'm is topical. A, yeah, oh, it's topical. Yeah. And they, I had another one after I got all my treatments, and my bones were still pretty dense even after all the radiation and chemo and stuff. And um, I bent the needle when they were trying to do it. So they were trying oh. to push it in and the needle bent and then it skidded down my hip. So I, I figured oh. out real quick exactly where the lidocaine stopped. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. And I'm sure you got a bill for that because- I did. I'm sure <laughs> I did. Um, so what they tell me are you have this disease. It's it's a, a good way to describe it as a bully, right? It's It's mean, it's nasty, but if you stand up for it, it usually backs down, right? If you stand up for yourself, it usually go away. So this stuff is- the, the treatment they give you is is six rounds of a, of a chemical of a, of a combo called R chop. You get six rounds once every three weeks, eighty five percent success rate. Right, so the vast majority of the time you get this, you get six rounds of stuff. Four months later, it's gone. Right, so I got ready for that. I got my my Bosu ball. I was like, it's called a, a Metaport in your chest. I still have the scar. Um, where they that's where they insert the they they stick you with a needle and get the the chemo in there. You can't put it directly into a vein. If they miss it, like it does really bad things. Like it, the chemo it's does right bad by things your heart. anyway. It is right by my heart. Yeah. Wow. So it's like a little Bosu ball under your skin, right? And, and the nurses feel it. So, okay, there it is. And they stick you with the needle right in there. And after a while, like I didn't even feel it anymore. Like it was weird. Like they just yeah, boom, they stab you right in the chest. Um, my kids called it the triple nipple. Right, had one. <laughs> my dad's my dad's like, a witch. Can, I, can I touch it <laughs> no you can't touch it it's weird but <laughs> not that one so um so i got that put in <laughs> i can't feel that one carry on <laughs> safe word oh my god so uh they put that in on halloween and i got the first round of of chemo on uh on november 1st of 2017 and you know it wipes you out i thought that that I would be able to get chemo on Wednesday and then take the rest of the week off and then back to the gym on, on Monday morning, like 5.30 a.m. class, coaching class, ready to go. And I did that exactly one time and, and knew that this was not going to happen. Like I, I couldn't do this anymore. There's like for whatever, for at least for now, this chapter of my life is, is closed. Like I can't, this is, I'm done. And um, my hair fell out. I remember the, about 10 days. They said it takes about 10 days. And I was on the phone with my mom saying, I don't know, like I'm not, I'm not feeling a lot of side effects. I feel pretty good. And I'm running my fingers through my hair. Like, I don't even think my hair is going to shit. And I had like a handful oh. of like, ah, crap. Here it goes. Like hair's falling out right on yeah. schedule, like 10 days. So, uh, so I, I owned it, right? I leaned into it and said, Lydia, come here. We're going to shave daddy's head. You know, I got a picture of me on Facebook someplace of Lydia shaving my head. Like I wasn't going <laughs> to let it fall out. I was going to do it. Hey, that's um, it. Take control, buddy. Right. Take, I had, I had so little control over so few things at that point. I'm going to control when I'm bald. Like I'm going to take care of that. Um, so after three rounds, you know, I, I, 
I go in on Wednesday, I get pumped full of poison. You know, Thursday, Friday, you kind of feel okay. And then Saturday, you really start to feel like crap. You just feel like dog shit. And it just gets worse and worse and worse until the Monday before your next treatment, when you finally start to come out of it, just in time to get pumped full of poison again. And it's cumulative, right? It just piles on. I'm, yeah, I'm questioning because I've heard uh, some relatives go through chemo and like the first time was okay. It sucked, whatever. The next treatment, it was harder and Mm kind of like continue. Is that? Because it just keeps building up. It just keeps building up. It keeps, it gets worse and worse every time. The lows are lower and you never get quite back to normal. All right. So you just dip down and up and then down and then not quite as far up. And so and you your new normal is, is not great. Six times. Yeah. And after the third time I talked to my oncologist and said, look, I, I, I don't think this is working. Like something doesn't, doesn't feel right. And he said, no, no, you have to trust the chemotherapy. It's going to do its job. And I said, what the hell is chemotherapy? That's not a word. Can, it's chemotherapy. Can you please say it the right way? Because when you say it that way, it makes me feel like you don't know what you're talking about. And that makes me nervous. And I'm trusting you with my right? life. Yeah. My life is so literally in your hands. Say it right. I actually, I ran into that guy at a bike shop a couple of my, a couple of years later. Like, hey, doc. <laughs> You you almost saved my life. How you doing? <laughs> like, but, <laughs> Thanks for that chemotherapy. You know, thanks for the chemotherapy. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> um, but he said, trust the medicine, give it time. I said, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the doctors and the smart people. Uh, they know more than I do. So got my last round of, uh, of chemo on Valentine's Day, you know, which is why I don't have eight kids. You know, because I was tired that night. I was worn out. So not a romantic evening. <laughs> Say for it, I'm tired. <laughs> Say I'm tired. Chemotherapy. <laughs> yeah, that'll kill Ooh. the mood. <laughs> Killed everything but my cancer. Oh, sorry. Oh. Too soon. <laughs> so, now, for um, those of you that don't know Tim already, uh, <laughs> I think a big part of why we're talking to him has to be with his attitude and his sense of humor. Man, if you can't find something funny in there, you got to look harder, right? There's always something funny. It's probably dark when you're going through this kind of stuff and not a lot of other people might find it funny, but that doesn't matter. If you're laughing, that helps. So whatever you need to do to be funny, be it. If you're Um, laughing, you're not crying. Right. Right. Yeah. If you're laughing, well, sometimes it's both, but usually, yeah. (laughs) So we get the, we did the last round of Valentine's day. I got another PET scan on uh in the middle of march yeah and the doctor's office called me the next day like hey can you come and see doc now like, well oh that's I mean, never a good okay call, right? i mean it's 1 30 when do you want me there so can you be there by two so, oh boy oh, okay uh yeah sure i'll be there too and i knew like i immediately knew this is bad news right like the doctor never calls to get you in right away to give you good yeah news. they never get you right away no never never <laughs> so unless it's really bad so they got the other PET scan and sure enough, like I had just about as much as I did in the beginning. You know, when I got the first PET scan, I lit up like a Christmas tree, you know, it was above and below my diaphragm. I had that big mass of like a lemon sized mass on my left side and, and my neck and below my leg. It was all over the place. It was stage three, uh, which means it was above and below the diaphragm, but not in any other systems. So it wasn't my bone marrow nor other organs. And, uh, and by the end of the treatment, I was still stage three and just as sick as I was at the beginning. Um, so, you know, with yeah. cancer, there's there's three R's, right? There's remission, which is the good one, right? You used to have cancer. We pump you full of poison and you don't have cancer anymore. Congratulations. That's the good one. Now, relapse is you, you had cancer and then you didn't, but now you do again. And then what I had was refractory, which means you had, came into us with cancer. We gave you a lot of medicine and you still have the cancer. And that's bad. 
you know, that's when that's when the odds start to turn around and flip flop. And now you're I went not from, part of the eighty five percent. I'm no longer. I'm now in the fifteen percent, right? Uh-huh. So, and, and that's terrifying. And there's not a lot of for what I had. You know, there wasn't a lot of rungs left on the ladder. You know, there was there's one that I knew about. And it was a bone marrow transplant, and they told me like, we can't do that here. You know, this is kind of a first line defense uh, cancer place. You got to go to Hershey uh, to, to get a bone marrow transplant. Yeah, you know, the next appointment's in two weeks, right? So have fun waiting for that. So, uh, you know, I, I got there and, and we met the oncologist there and it was a completely different experience. He could say chemotherapy with the best of them. Like he nailed it right away. I was so happy. Did you feel better? <laughs> so much better right off the bat. I think I told him, I'm so glad you pronounced that word correctly. And I think he knew who I was talking about too. I didn't throw the other guy That's under the funny. bus, but he knew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you were so he explains a bone marrow transplant. How does a bone marrow transplant work? And they, we're going to find a match for you. We're going to find a donor um, who has, and it's not like finding, it's not like matching blood type. It's not like, oh yeah, B positive blood. Cool. Here's B positive bone marrow. It's not like that at all. It's, it's an organ transplant, just like anything else, right? Like a kidney or a heart or anything like that. There's, I, th- I think it's 14 different proteins that have to match exactly. Do they? For it to be a do match. they go to family at that point? Like they go to family. Is first. that the best bet? Or the best bet is is parents or siblings right off the bat. Um, my parents were unfortunately too old, um, and and were furious that they were too old. And my sister was too pregnant, so she couldn't do it either. Ugh. Yeah. So you and like don't want to and just somebody. recently pregnant, even which is a whole other story. We can get into. It's a cool story, but we can get into that another another time. But um. So she couldn't do it either. So we go out to Be The Match, which is an, a nationwide database of bone marrow donors. And there's several hundred thousand people, I think four or 500,000 people on there. And I found two matches. And, and my oncologist was ecstatic that we had two. That's great. You've got out choices. Out of 400,000? Out of 400,000, there's two. Yeah. Like the chances of finding a match are pretty slow, pretty low. So he explains oh. bone marrow. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pump. We're going to play Keep You Alive all summer long because this is going to take some time. So every month I'm going to check into the Hershey Spawn Cancer Center and get pumped full of chemo and and, and just keep this so at bay. They, they they called it salvage chemo, right? Like it's just they knew this wasn't going to work, right? No matter what we do, this isn't going to work. We need to do something else. So so they do that to just hopefully stop spread at that point. Yeah, to keep it at bay. That's all it was doing was just stop it from spreading, but it was not reducing anything. Um, it tells me that the recovery time is you know is a couple of years, probably two years before you're back to yourself again, some, in some semblance of, of normalcy, uh, the recovery rate is like 50%. You know, it's about 50, 50, whether or not it's going to work, you know, so five years, the marker is better than 15, better than 15, significantly better. Explains all this is, do you understand it? I said, yeah, I I think I got it. He says, cool. I've got another idea. How would you like to be the first person here to get this new stuff called CAR T? I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> what what's that? And uh, this stuff is like, it's science fiction. What they do, you know, they extract millions of my T cells, which is part of your immune system. So, um, you know, the, the procedure, they, they, the first thing they do is they stab you in the in the jugular with a drinking straw. Essentially, it's a huge, huge drinking straw sized needle. Like, please do it. not try this at home. Don't do this at home. This is not an at home procedure. Drinking straw for Dracula. Thump, yeah, right. Like that's what Dr. it was. Doctor Acula. Doctor Acula. Paging Doctor Acula. <laughs> so, um, and then they they pump the blood out through that drinking straw into a, it's called a phoresis machine where they spin the, spin it around and they make what they called Neapolitan ice cream and they separated my blood into, into vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry and they took the vanilla out and they put the chocolate and the strawberry back in. 
right? And then then they they put it in essentially a Ziploc bag. Uh, and in one of those coolers you get at a garage sale, like an igloo cooler that you put a six pack and a sandwich in. Like He's that's not what kidding. they. I watched that's the video. What it was. <laughs> and they did. It was crazy. Like they closed it and like here, yeah, hold like, this. Like I take to the construction site. Right. It's go. exactly that. It's <laughs> Just a lunch like they box. Have in the movies and stuff with the yeah. organs. It's a lunch box. Yeah, that's the same thing. So I guess either that means that our organs are grossly underprotected or our sandwiches are in very good hands. Actually, you should be happy because <laughs> I sent my motor. For my precious KTM motorcycle from Utah to Washington in, uh, yeah, one of the igloo, it was a bigger cooler. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't in the one that I used. They said it, yeah, they said it kept it safe from UPS and it did. Wow, that's that's high praise. The way the coolers are constructed, it's uh, the walls and everything, it's the safest way to, to send stuff. So wow. I know you were angry about that, but they maybe it. made a good call. But maybe it was a good call. And a better call work. would have been to just fly me to California with my blood inside of me. I don't want to ruin the story. And then we could have done it there. But yeah, so anyway. Story, so, but you have a problem with flying to California. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting good at it now. So Cody, stop um, jumping ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Me, they haven't listened to this already. You have. That's right. <laughs> Zencaster. I actually feel like I'm so um, right now. I know, right? So- he says, how about this? You know, you'd be the first one to do it. We're looking for, we're looking for someone like you. You're someone who's relatively healthy, fairly young, and has cancer. You know, so you're an ideal candidate for this. We wanted what he wasn't saying, and I was reading between the lines, was we want someone who's going to survive the first treatment. Because if mm. the first guy dies, it's really hard to sell it to the second guy. <laughs> like, Bro, that's that- a tough sell, right? So they wanted someone that they they had a pretty good chance was gonna this was gonna be successful. Um, I had to make talk, you feel better. And yeah, they, they, he said I was handsome, which I don't think has anything to do with it. I think he was just <laughs> being nice. But uh, so, um, so the the difference is, and the, the decision came down to a couple of things of what I was going to do because the bone marrow transplant was tried and true. Like this is the way we do it. We've been doing it this way for fifty years. Like we know how to do this. The odds of survival, of five year survival at the time, were about the same. You know, fifty fifty. Right, the difference was was managing the worst case scenario. You know, and what what does the worst case scenario look like? And the if I got the CAR T at at Penn State and Hershey, and it didn't work, I could stay at Hershey and get a bone marrow transplant. So I could huh. stay with the doctors that say the names right, stay you know twenty five minutes from my house. They're familiar you know, with your care. They're familiar with me. They they they're they're in right, and they know it. Um, that's a big big plus. But if I got the bone marrow transplant. And that didn't work. I'd have to go somewhere else to get the CAR T, and I didn't know where that was. It could have been anywhere. And I had no idea where that may or may not have been. Uh, but anything more than twenty-five minutes from my house would have been much, much worse. You know. So, right. The other side of it too is recovery time. You know, and they talked about about bone marrow transplant. You're back to yourself in like two years. You know, talk in terms of months and years before you're, you know, kind of back to back to being you. And it's with the CAR T, it's a long time. And I, mm-hmm. I had things I wanted to do. Like I had stuff to do. Um, with the CAR T, they talked in terms of weeks and months before you're, before you recovered, and that was sold. that was really appealing. Yeah, sold right there, like right there in the spot. And I was still nervous. I know, right? Because like, you know, like the first time that I've done something is is almost never been the best time that I've done something. Like it always gets better the second time. Right? So Podcast. just like children, <laughs> like children, right? I kept having kids until I got it right. 
That's what my parents said. I just had my little sister and I asked them why they didn't have more. And they said, well, we tried with you and we got it right with Allie and we stopped. Is oh. that is that why the youngest is always kind of spoiled? Because they're like, they're perfect. <laughs> no, the youngest is spoiled because we don't care anymore. We're just it's tired. It's true. We're worn out. Right. We've, we're yeah. worn it's out. It's not parenting, three, but it's proper <laughs> three. Parenting it's, it's at, you're worn out. Yeah. Like yeah. my parenting <laughs> peaked at, at four. Like we knew a lot and we weren't so exhausted. Now it's like, it's like benevolent indifference. Like, I love you very much. Go away. <laughs> Are you bleeding? Is this going to embarrass me? Then figure it out, man. Like I, I'm here to help, but, but come on, like, let me have my coffee. <laughs> so, so I decided to go the, so I decided to go the route of CAR-T is, is the way that story ended. I decided I'm going to do that. You know, it wasn't, I know it was the first time they're doing it, but these are some of the best doctors in the world and one of the best hospitals in the country. Like when it you wasn't say just, the first time you're the first, like. I was the first one or at you're not that hospital. Study, right? No, I wasn't a study. The, 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 the stuff has been around for almost 20 years. One of the first people that got it, actually, her name is Emily Whitehead. She lives out here, too. She was just a kid when she got it. I can't imagine like getting oh, the God. rough draft of this stuff as a, as a five-year-old. Like This stuff is, was bad. And to get it when it wasn't even refined as it was when I got it um, as a child. I, but she's still, she's still here and alive and doing well. I met her. Uh, a couple years ago, she was a very normal teenager on her phone, completely disinterested with anything happening around her. <laughs> Are you talking? Even to though me? it was all for her, <laughs> like <laughs> we're all here because we're celebrating you. And she's like, La, da, 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 Candy Crush. <laughs> well, that, that's good. Like you weren't like the experiment. So no, I wasn't the experiment. So I, still, I was about the first. One, for these I think guys. the first five hundred. I think it was about five hundred uh, of that was done. And now they've done, you know, that many at Hershey almost at this point. I think they've done almost almost 400 now just at Hershey. So it's oh, wow. it's yeah, it's coming along. It's made a lot of improvements. It's now approved as a second line defense. Um so when I got it, it was third line. So you had to fail two other treatments before this was allowed to happen. Now it's a second line. So if our chop doesn't work, great. You know. Uh under under why it isn't the first. Because it's very expensive and it's very time consuming. There's a there's a big yes. bottleneck in the production. Um, because it's personalized medicine is made from my cells for me. Just you know, for you. So it we wouldn't work sitting, for Chappie. It wouldn't, it work, wouldn't for work for me, Chappie. So it wouldn't work for Cody. It would only work for me. So there is a bit of a bottleneck in the production. Uh, they're starting now to have, excuse me, like uh, you know, baby formula, uh, a, a variety, right? Like it's generic, right? It's not mm-hmm. specifically made by you, but it gets the job done pretty well. You know, so they're starting to do that. That should open up the bottleneck a little bit more. Um, but for now it's, it's a second line. So you got to go through chemo first and then, um, and because the chemo is usually effective and cheaper and you know, not that it's a money decision, but it, it, that money's involved. Right. So if and I, can I get cheated, cured, I asked my wife, cause she works at Huntsman here in Utah, which is a cancer research hospital. Right. And she was very familiar. She helped roll out the program for the yeah. RT there, which it blew my mind, but she said they've made great progresses and recovery time kind of comes down yeah but she knew um a lot about what you went through you'll be sharing and yeah so it's not a, it's not a fun medicine you know and the, 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 the chemo wasn't fun either and i was i was a bit of an asshole on the chemo like when, yeah i know it's hard to imagine you know that 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 was what i was like but is that the p word the p word prednisone and that chop is prednisone and prednisone is a steroid that messes with your personality and uh, it just, it gives you a very, very short fuse. And uh-huh. I had like nine matches and a dog running around the house. I was 
pissed. Like pee for pissed off is what it was. <laughs> so Tinder just went light. It was it was a short fuse. So after the fourth round of our chop, I was hiding in my bedroom in my big leather cancer chair, you know, in the dark. I had a big recliner that I would just sit in, <laughs> in the dark, kind of just trying to not yell at people. And my sister comes in. My parents and my sister would trade off for rounds. My parents would come for one, and my sister would come for the next. So this was round four. My sister was there, and she comes into the room real quiet, you know, and kind of tip those in. Says, "Hey, listen, um, how about when I leave tomorrow, I'm going to bring you to mom and dad's house, you know, and you can ride this out there where it's quiet and you know dark most of the time, and you know it, it, it'll, it'll be fine." And I said, "No, I don't. I can't do that to Trish. That's not fair at all. We have all these children that need to be, you know, fed and watered and educated and transported, and you know, I can't just leave her alone to do all this stuff for the whole weekend." And and Allie says, "No, you're you're, you're misunderstanding." You know, this was Trisha's idea. You're oh. going to New Jersey. <laughs> like the only thing you have to decide is what you're going to put in your bag. Yeah, but we're out. Like we're taking you. I was trying to make it feel like it was your idea to give you some control, but it's not. Right, smart so, play, but you smart you play. Didn't, you didn't buy the bite. <laughs> so, so that whole summer, yeah. Every month I went in, I got I got around a round of chemo, and a lot of like we didn't really decide almost until August. Right. There's so many things that ran parallel. You know, we had to get for the for the bone marrow, we had to get a match, we had to get the insurance to prove it, we had to get all the stuff lined up. And then we'd have to once we had a match, we'd have to get them to come in and make their donation. Like it's it's a months long process in the best scenario. The CAR T was also a months long process. And a lot of it was same stuff. We gotta get the insurance to approve it. We gotta get the drug company to approve it. We gotta get the hospital to approve it. So you know, all many that stuff. Hoops. So many hoops to, to, to stay alive. Um, so a lot of that stuff ran parallel. So we didn't have to make a decision uh, until probably July or August. But I finally, when we got the approval for CAR-T, I said, yeah, I'm doing that. So yeah, they put the drinking straw in and they, <laughs> they were following me around with the camera for a lot of this stuff. They did a video about it because I was the first one. And um, they put the straw in on, on Thursday. They did the freezes on Friday. And then I came back in on Monday so they could take the straw out. And the nurse that was there, she gets it, she on tape, she goes, hmm. And she's tugging on it and tugging on it. Oh, and it's boy. not coming out. It's not coming out. She finally puts her hand on it, like standing on the chair and pulling. I'm going, fuck, 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 huh? fuck. Like, oh, this is not going to be on the video, is it right? You're not recording this one. And it's no, this, we're not getting that. But it, I had healed up around it already. They didn't expect me to heal up on it. Oh, and then she puts her finger yeah. right there, like on my, on my neck, on my juggling, holding it. And was just standing there, like quiet for a long enough time that I was uncomfortable. I'm like, so what are you, what are you doing? So I'm just keeping you from bleeding out. Hang on a second. <laughs> She's just holding my juggler shut. Yeah, this is fine. You're gonna be okay. So, um, Oh man. Oh God, it was rough. So they flew the <laughs> stuff out to California. Um, you know, I had another round of, I had radiation in the middle of that. Actually, this is kind of cool. I, there was a, a reunion for a bunch of college guys and we we're all set to go to Denver, Denver, Colorado, the cool Denver. And, um, when they found that I couldn't come, all of them, 25 guys, changed their plans and came to Denver, Pennsylvania, which is not nearly as fun as Denver, Colorado. All oh. of them came out so I could, so I could be at the reunion. And you know, I was cool. so inconsiderate that I was in the middle of radiation when they did it. So I could hardly even what, be there. What kind of host are you, man? <laughs> I am Jeez. the worst. I am so rude. <laughs> It's like that I broke is... out of the hospital for the weekend. Like I had, I had radiation Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I said, I'm leaving. I'm gone. Like, get me out of here. And I tried to play golf on, on Saturday morning and threw up. And like, it was, I, I didn't even shoot good golf. It was bad. Um, 
But yeah, all these guys like came but to the house. They were there to support you. That they were there just because I couldn't be there. It was really so cool. So that's what I mean when I was saying like, there's people sometimes that come out of the woodwork in a way you would never expect. And some people try to tell you to take oxygenated water, you know, and some kind of hokey thing. They're the big, big farmers trying to keep you sick so they can make money. And all you got to do is eat green strawberries and you'll be fine. <laughs> I don't if you'd think that's true. Left instead of right, you'd be right. Fine. Like if that was true, like if I could just take hyper oxygenated water, which is one of the things that was suggested, H two O two, which is hydrogen dioxide, also which is poison. But if you take extra oxygenated water, that's going to cure the cancer. So I don't, I don't think so. You know, yeah. like you got to like. There's people you have to very politely but firmly tell them to fuck off. I like, appreciate you trying I, to help. But, I know. Uh, yeah, I know this is coming from a good place, and I know you want to help. But man. I'm going to I'm I'm stick with the strong right medicine. Now. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> stick with the strong medicine. Thank you. But, um, so the, the actual car T itself, when you get it, um, you know, they, they, they do the stuff up, they put it in this purple goo and they multiply those, the couple millions of cells that I got, they multiply them the billions. They genetically modify them using, uh, a derivative of the HIV virus to inject, uh, whatever the new RNA is. To treat, to treat these things up and turn them into like special forces for your white blood cells. That is crazy. It's I remember, crazy. I remember watching not long ago a documentary about, I don't know if it was that, but it was curing cancer. I think it was leukemia and they were using the HIV virus. Yeah. And, and I looked at my wife who's in the medical field and I, I was like, that, it gave me chills because remember how scared we were when that came out. Yeah. AIDS, right? Right. And, then, and it killed so many people. And- for them to flip it like a like a damn quarter, right? And it, now it's saving people. Take that it's, HIV. It's just crazy. It blew my mind. But I didn't. I didn't know that's what they did when they when like my oncologist did not explain that part to me. When he, he told me, he's like, part. "Doc, <laughs> did you give me the high five? Because I'm not sure that I want to make that trade. Like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> did you give me the so uh, they said, no, we did not give you that. Um, much different than a reach Much different. Yeah, we have, we have changed things around. Um, I do actually still have some of the immune problems that HIV patients have. Uh, my CD4 count is is chronically low, uh, and they can't figure out why. CD4 is, is essentially your body's ability to fight off infection. And uh, you know, they, they track that, especially on HIV patients, but now they also track it with me. It just It's never recovered. It's half of what it should be. Half of the low line of what it should be. So anyway, so I they they take the stuff out, they pump it back in, they ship it back a month later, and um, you know they get me in the hotel, no, the hotel, month. the hospital room. Yeah, it took a month, so it's another month of hurry up and wait, right? But I mean, that see that's the logjam with this stuff is that it takes a it takes a long time to make one dose. You know, it's not like they're making Tylenol out there and they're just pumping out pills and putting labels on it. And you don't want to be a jerk and be like, hurry that up. Yeah, you, yeah, want you, you don't want to hustle along. Yeah, I'd rather <laughs> yes. I'd rather go slow in the right direction than fast in the wrong direction, usually. Um, so, although going fast is a lot of fun. It is. But it is. Not, not for this. So, I get it back in. September 9th, I go in. They they give me one more round of chemo just for fun. You know, wipe out as much of my system as they can. There's any stragglers. You know, get rid of as much as they can beforehand. And then at noon on the 10th, they they put the stuff back in. They brought it up. The room is full of people, right? Because I'm the first one. So I'm there in the bed, kind of the center of attention. Yeah, you know, my wife is there. <laughs> he rolled his eyes for I those did. of you that can't see. Um, <laughs> they could probably hear it. I rolled him pretty hard. <laughs> so um, <laughs> um my wife is there, me, the, my oncologist, uh, the nurse practitioner that was there, the head of the oncology department, the president of the university, like all these people. There's probably 15 people in the room. 
in the little like 14 by 14 hospital room that's dominated by a huge bed and medical equipment. So it was, it was cramped. And they said, you know, this is going to take half an hour. And uh, they plugged me in, they put it in my, my BOSU ball and, and waited. And I, you know, I'm a CrossFitter, so I got it done in seven minutes. You know, I got this done fast. So you drank fast. <laughs> I, I got it done quick, right? I can do an AMRAP fast. So, uh, got it in and then it was just kind of anticlimactic. Like, all right, cool. Well, good luck. We'll see you. And everybody filed out. Like, We're waiting. We no I was, I was waiting. Lights. I was hurry no. up and waiting. No, it was, it angel smelled bad. No. no, no angel singing. No, it did smell bad. I'll tell you that much. It, it smelled like, like burnt corn. It was something with the antifreeze that they put in because it was frozen when they shipped it and they had to thaw it out. And the, the thawing element has a terrible smell. It's like a burnt Thanksgiving smell. And everyone's looking around <laughs> the room like, like looking for someone who did it. And like, it's not, it's the medicine. I swear. It's not me. So, I'm sorry. So, but then, you know, you wait, right. And Trish left and she got home to all the kids and stuff. And I watched Deadpool two on the computer and, you know, waited for stuff to happen. And it takes some time for your body to react, but your body does. Um, there's two big side effects that come from this stuff. The one, the first one you get is called cytokine release syndrome. Uh, where these cells are different enough that your immune system, even in its its weakened and defeated state, puts up a valiant effort, you know, to try and fight this stuff off. Um, my fever spiked up to over 105. 105.6 was the highest number I remember hearing. Uh, I don't know if it ever got higher than that, but that's the you highest. Probably I remember, lost I consciousness. I definitely, point-ish. I definitely did. And they had ice bags like all over the place. Um, but that was the easy part. That was the easy part of this whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the second part was the neural toxicity, um, which is still a bit of a mystery why it happens. They, know, they know it does happen, but they're not sure why, because uh, you know, over however we got this body, over however many millions of years, it, it has determined that your brain and your balls are important and we should do things to protect them. Smart. Right? And like hockey players figured out that their balls are important. And then like 15 years later, they said, oh, our heads are probably important too. So they invented the cup and then they put a cup on their head. So, well, this is a good idea. They still haven't figured out their teeth, but their brain and no, their balls because are good. Dentists, it's behind the scenes. Dentists, I'm sure the dentists are big sponsors players. of the hockey teams. We, we, we both have played hockey over the years. Dentists yes. make money on hockey. Players. I'm sure they do. I'm sure. So, but this stuff, so chemo, like chemotherapy generally doesn't get into your brain generally, right? But this stuff does. And it, it gets you all kinds of weird. And I was in the ICU for six days. And I don't remember when I went in there. The the way they followed along was every day the nurses would come in with a binder and ask me a bunch of questions. You know, what day is it? Where are you? Who's the president? Who's that? You know, what's the weather like? I hate those questions. I know. They're really bad. And then I I had to sign at the end. And I've got this pretty big, bold, like type A personality signature. And when I got out, they're showing it to me and I answered the question. And then I watched my signature get smaller and smaller and smaller and turn like turn like my, my old grandma's little chicken scratch. Like, and then it was just NA, like not acquired, not acquired, not acquired. Cause I was in a different world. So they, they took me up to the ICU. Um, they put a catheter in me and the very first thing I did was oh. yank it out, which is oh. not a good idea. You, you understand there's like a little balloon or something. And I do now. Yeah. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt for a month. Every time I peed, I was reminded of what I did. So they had to put mittens on me because I, I yanked the catheter out, which is bad. Uh, I tried <laughs> to take all the needles out, everything. Like they didn't, I, I didn't want anything in there. So they put mittens on me and I needed like 24 seven babysitting because I was just, I was not 
a normal You're person. You're not a good patient that day. No, I was rough. And like, there's one lady that every time I, I speak at the hospital, I ask if she's there because I, I owe her an apology. Because one night in the ICU, all I wanted to do was take my pants off. I don't know why, but that's all I want to do is just drop draw and Winnie the Pooh it around that hospital room. So I wait for her to get into her book. You know, she wasn't a doctor. She was a patient care advocate, right? Because they can't have a doctor or nurse in there all the time. I just needed a babysitter. And that's what she was. So I'd like, I'd look around and see she's into her book and I'd stand up and drop draw. And she'd look up and right away, Tim, put your pants on. Pull your pants up right now. Fine, I'll pull my pants up and I look around again. Boom, drop. Tim, I told you. Pull your pants. And I'm yelling at her like, who are you? What's your job? You're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. I was such a jerk. So if she's listening, I'm really sorry. I still haven't met you, but I'm so sorry. I was not in my right mind. Tim, but, usually when we drop the pants down, we, we play nice. Yeah, right. And if someone tells you to put them back on, that's usually don't a, yell a at cue them. that you shouldn't do it again. <laughs> Like that part of the night is over. Like, <laughs> so you still try to apologize to her? I've never, I've never seen her again. But you, you know, still, so I don't know. But if she's try. still out there, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I was like that, and you had to see that. It was a mess, a mess all around. Well, like you said, the stuff they gave you was messing with your head, and you really, I mean, I just rolled with it. I yeah, leaned you, into that. You were not yourself. I'm gonna try no. and make make you feel better here, Tim. Okay. I'll bet that's one of her best dinnertime stories. That- <laughs> She's probably telling a very similar story. <laughs> I was in the room with this one guy, and all he wanted to do was take his pants off. <laughs> so, yeah, different side. If it of makes it. you feel any better, you gave her one hell of a story to tell. I sure did. So, so yeah. So then I got out of the ICU just in time for Tiger Woods to win his last major, which I attribute to me watching. He hasn't attributed that to me at all, which I think is rude. But he's Here, had a I'll busy couple him. years. Let's let's give him your number. Yeah, Tiger, you know, come on. Just a little bit. 1%. That's all I'm asking for. Stupid of just cancer. That. You just, just want a golf match. I beat cancer so he could win one more major. Like, I think I should get a little something. Bill Mickelson was pissed off at you, yeah. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then he went to that live league. So that's all my fault, too, apparently. So um, so back in the hospital, you know, I, I ended up spending spending 17 days in the hospital. I lost 30 pounds in the 17 days and I probably got out like a day or two earlier than I should have, but I'm really stubborn and I was really tired of being in the hospital. I got to go. Like I have to get out of here. You know, the bedroom like, was not private at all. The bed was alarmed. So like every time I rolled over, alarms were going off and the SWAT team of nurses come running in. You know, every time I went to the bathroom, it was a spectator sport. They all wanted to see it. Are his pants um, on? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was so bad. Like one time I, I put food coloring in my pee just to, to mess with them to see if they would notice it. <laughs> and they didn't. I asked, was my pee okay? They're like, yeah, someone put food coloring in it though. I was like, oh, man, I can't fool you guys. You're too smart for me. Kroger brand or something. <laughs> yeah, right. It was all green. I really was going to give them a run for their money. But um, so I said, like, I have to go home. I got to leave. And, and they said, look, you've got to pass a kidney stone. And you've got to get your liver function back down to normal. What? Yeah, because all this medicine piled up. I didn't know you had a kidney up. stone too. Yeah, I had a kidney stone. All the medicine piled up. I had, it was called, I think they called a chemo sludge. I just backed up. Yeah, it's oh bad, right? So God. you just can't process it fast. It's just not bad enough. Now, the good news now is I was on so baby. much pain medicine, I didn't feel it. But they really? said, pass the stone and get your liver function back to normal, which are two things that I had zero control over, right? Like, I can't, you can't, like, 
hold your liver, right? Like and try not, to get it to feel. You better. weren't you weren't breathing, trying to push. Come no, on, come I on. wasn't. Oh, I wasn't trying on, to breathe through it. Suff and woof and whiff and woof. I need to push. <laughs> no, so but, you've got two goals that you have no. So I got two goals, over. and damn if I didn't do them. <laughs> I passed the stone. I got the liver function back down to normal range. I looked at the charts, like damn it, now we have to let him go. You know, and that was the beginning of the day. It was like first thing in the morning. They noticed. They, they looked at the jug full of pee and like, oh, there's the stone. Good job, Tim. Let's do liver function. Oh boy, you're fine. So they let me go. At the end, of, I mean, they dragged it out all day. Like they really took their time. Oh, but I got home that is night. really fun, yeah. isn't it? Just it's not a fast sure. process. Yeah, there's almost no type of discharge that's good, right? No, in, in most circumstances. <laughs> so, so this is a long one. <laughs> we just lost four and, more listeners. Man, Goodbye. four more listeners are gone. See ya. Uh, I'm no sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Oh no! It's, and we're three of them. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I got home that night, and I'm I'm walking up the stairs, and the kids are running. Daddy, Daddy's home! Like, no, don't jump on me! Like, you will kill Daddy! Like, just let me oh. stumble up the stairs. I had to crawl up, and I had to go. Like, I just made it up the stairs, and and it's a split level. It's not that many stairs. I think there's five. Like, it's not that many stairs or seven. So, just got up there and immediately sat down and. And I was back and forth at the hospital every other day for a month. And then, you know, and then, you know, two days a week for another month and then once a week for another month or two. And, but the recovery was, was what they said. It was, it was short, shorter than, than Not it would have been years. with the bone marrow transplant. It wasn't two That's years. Good. So I got, I got home in, uh, very end of September. By the middle of October, I had made a decision that I didn't want to be sick anymore. I'm, I'm done being sick. I'm going to start working on being healthy again. I'm going to get well. I'm not sure you're not that? sick. Can I doctor yeah. fill into that? Yeah. Like, how did you come to that point? And do you remember the point? Like, I remember. I think that decision for you is important. I think it's important for all of us, actually. It was, it was a conscious decision. Like, I remember sitting in my, my house thinking, I don't. I don't want to be like this anymore. Like, I remember, like, when I was in the ICU, like, I had to learn how to walk again. Like, I, I spent two days, like up and down, shuffling up and down the hallway with a walker and three nurses and my wife spotting me. Like as I went up and down the hall and thinking like, you know, I used to be an athlete. Like at least I used to be loosely sporty. You know, like I could hold my own against the young kids at the CrossFit gym. I, I never, like, I was never going to go to a regional competition, but I could win a local one in my past. I did okay. And now I can't walk. Like this is no good. You know, and that's just not, I didn't want this to define me anymore. Bingo, like, I I'm that's... going to be who I am. And this isn't it. Like this and shuffling you're... around guy is not it. And you're coming up on like two years now. I'm five years now. Oh, you're five years into the I'm process. F- now I'm five years today. Oh yeah. But I mean, no, when you this came point, to that yeah, decision, right. you're, you're about two years into your I'm process. I'm a little over a year. I was diagnosed in the end of 2017 and this was uh, the beginning of this is the end of 2018. This is October oh, okay. of 2018. This is before my doctor told me I was in complete remission. So before I had that month, one month checkup, I said, I'm going to get better. I'm not just going to be not sick. I'm going to get healthy again. I'm going to fight my way back to back to being the type of person that I, that I want to be. Because for a lot of reasons, one of them is this little fucker snuck up on me the first time. You know, there's no reason that it can't do it again. You know, and right. I know that if I wasn't... Um, as, as strong as I was, not just mentally, but physically, uh, as strong as I was, I don't know that I would have made it. 
So I, I have to be better, right? Cause even now, you know, the, the survival rate for, for, uh, CAR T is, is 50, 50 at nine years. So as of right now, I have a 50, 50 chance to get to 50. Like that's my, I got 50, 50, 50 is where I'm at. So I do all I can to make sure that I'm as strong as possible if this comes back. But that was the beginning of it. It's like, I am not going to be sick anymore. I'm tired of being so you, sick. You made that mental decision. I think at this point too, you also took some action, which I did. So now I decided I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to be sick. And I'm, this is how I'm going to fix it. And I got on my bicycle. You know, I've, I've been riding a road bike for 20 years. You know, and I, I was, when I was, uh, in a previous life, uh, I, I let myself go. And when I, before I got the bike and Madeline, my daughter, she called me fat, fat daddy. So I'm like, Oh, ew, uh, that's not good. Kid, that right? Remember you were fat, fat daddy. Like, yes, I remember. <laughs> so, so I bought a road bike. My friend Joel bought a road bike and he came out and we, you know, we put some slick tires on my old, like cheap ass mountain bike and rode around Lancaster. And I loved it, loved it. And I rode and rode and rode and rode. And then we got our tax return and I used one of my uh, forgiveness instead of permission cards. You only get three of them uh, in any, in any marriage, you get three forgiveness instead of permission cards. And I use at least it's one the, then. Oh, don't tell my wife that. Sorry. I think I'm Sorry. on like seven or eight. Oh, <laughs> you are, you're living on borrowed time. Yeah. You need to ask for permission more. So I bought a road bike and you know, I bought this old, uh, you know, Trek 1500, this aluminum bone shaker. And I rode that thing, oh gosh, 20,000 miles. Right. And, and the, so the, the stories about how riding a, a bicycle will, will make men impotent is they're not true. Uh, I've, I've tested this theory and it's proven false. So everything's fine. Uh, not just once you've got not just once. Yeah. Multiple tests. I think, I think I tested it three more times. Oh, uh, since are you standing up when you're at it or no, I'm I'm sitting on it right in there. Oh, okay. So there goes that right out the window then. Right gone. So I decided at that point, I'm going to be better and I'm going to start by riding my bicycle. I couldn't lift any weights. There's no way I was going to pick a barbell up, but I could sit on my bike and I can ride not outside, you know, cause I wasn't allowed to drive or operate. Like they said, don't operate heavy machinery for six months. Which I always assume meant like backhoe, but it doesn't. It means right. car, right? It's not That's the cool heavy machine. It says on the bottle. It's your car. So I couldn't drive anyway because my balance was off. But I had my bike set up in the garage and my trainer. I had a smart trainer that connected to my laptop to a a game essentially called Zwift, where it's a it's a video game and you control your 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 bicycle avatar by pedaling. You pedal faster, it goes faster in the game. It goes uphill, it gets harder to pedal. And you can race people. It makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. Fun's not the right word. It makes indoor training more tolerable than just on a a dumb trainer staring at the wall. Staring at the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I rode five miles and uh, it took me a long time. And I remember thinking, yeah, got on rode five miles in the garage. I remember thinking like, man, the medicine might not have killed me, but this might, like, this is rough. (laughs) My heart rate was like 180. I was dripping sweat. It was so bad. Um, but this is it. This is where I start. Like I have to be humble enough to suck. Right. And that's where I'm at. So I'm going to suck at this, but I'm going to get better. And the next day I didn't do anything because I couldn't move. But the day after I got on again and I rode six miles and then I did seven and then it was, how far can I go in an hour? And then it was, how far can I go? You know? And, and so this is, is November, right. That I started October, November by May, by that May of 2019, um, I did two things on Memorial Day weekend. The first thing I did was do um, a bike ride out in the Lehigh Valley called the Fool's Classic, where it's 75 miles. 
7,000 some odd feet of climbing and 25 miles of gravel. It's a challenging ride uh, in the best of circumstances. And I did that on Saturday. And then wow. Monday, I went back to my gym um, and I did a workout called Murph. Uh, and every CrossFit gym in the world, pretty much, at least in America, on Memorial Day, they do Murph. And uh, you run a mile, you do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then run another mile. Oh, I get it. They do it on Memorial Day. On Memorial Day. Remember all the people that killed last year? Something like that. Yeah, that's what they're My lord. No, it's it's one of the hero work. That's a hell of a workout. I'm thinking it'd kill me. (laughs) Murph was a uh, a special forces guy that died in the line of duty in in Afghanistan, I believe it was. CrossFit has a lot of like hero workouts named after firemen and police officers and army guys that that didn't make it, but that were involved. So yeah, so there's a bunch of hero workouts and that's one of them. And everybody does that on Memorial Day. So- and I did it. I, I didn't light the world on fire. You know, like the, the last time I did it, I did it with a weighted vest and it took me less than an hour. Um, this time I, I didn't have a weighted vest and it took me a long ass time, but, but I got it done. But you know, I, I plowed through it and I got it done. Um, okay, and, then, so from and then that next day I had to ago, learn how to walk walking. again. Right. And then the next day I had to learn how to walk again. <laughs> yeah. But that was self-inflicted. Okay, That was self-inflicted. <laughs> that was self-inflicted hobble. I deserved it, but I was hobbling. Oh my I mean, gosh. It's easy to say that's amazing, but really, if you think about that, that's just totally Yeah, and that, that speaks to the, the efficacy of the medicine, right? I mean, of course, like your mileage may vary. Like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I got to get that car because then I can do Murph. Like that's not medical advice and please so don't, don't mistake it for that. I don't have the wife. She can sneak me in and do the car so I can yeah. do the Murph. I'm not. I'm, there might be a better way to get ready for Murph. Yeah, maybe maybe less smoking might help. Oh, gosh. But, it might not. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> a doctor. I've been and since you know? I said uh, we were interviewing a cool <laughs> cancer survivor, my mom, wife, daughter. So anyway. <laughs> so I didn't mean to bring that up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit a nerve. No, but, no, uh, you're good. Um, but um, but yeah, so that's what, you know, that was kind of the, the goal is like, I'm, I'm going to be, I, I can't, the other side of that, you asked, you know, why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? Uh, and the other side of that was that I, I've got this chance. I've got this opportunity now to do something, you know, and, and something that I think most cancer survivors will, will tell you about is, is there's, there's physical and, and existential angst, you know, that comes, that comes with it. You know, there's a lot of, of survivor guilt. There's a lot of why me, you know, and not necessarily a woe is me. Why me? Why did this happen to me? Although that's there. Uh, for me, the why me is like, why am I, why am I here? And the guy that did get it after me isn't, you know, he died. You know, I went to hospice and, and just about saw him die. Um, why is that the case? You know, but for a couple of chromosomes. Survivor guilt. In fact, you know, like, a special plug for you. There is this wonderful podcast. It's called Dying Laughing that Tim is a part of. Thank you. And yeah. I did listen yes. to the, uh, well, I didn't finish it, but the uh, Survivor Guilt. Is- yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oya and I met in uh, Oya and I are definitely an odd couple. Um, you, you know, you'd never think you know who's going to be really good friends is Tim and Oya. Like that's never put that together. <laughs> I kind of thought um, that when I heard the intro. I was like, right, yeah, right. <laughs> that's definitely so, not Tim here. <laughs> no, actually, I was playing the guitar in the intro. Oh, um, cool. But we uh, we met in the in the in the Hershey Cancer and Spa Center. Uh, where he was getting his bone marrow transplant, and I was getting my one of my monthly doses. And uh, there was a. Uh, a, a support group at the end of the hall that day. And we both shuffled on down there 
And we just got along. We hit it off really well. And then I shuffled into his room. And he's like, who's this white guy that's not a doctor in my room? What is going on? Like, get him out. Get him out. <laughs> Something's wrong. Are you? <laughs> so, and, and we just, we kept going from there. And then we went back to another uh, support group that the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society was sponsoring that one. And they asked us to come and yeah, we were just bouncing off each other. And someone said, you should start a podcast. And like, yeah, we could see the light bulbs go off above each other's heads. Like, oh my God, we should start a podcast. Uh, so we did. Chappie pulled that Jedi mind trick on me too. <laughs> totally did. We should Son of a- <laughs> so, um, so that's how I met. Oh, but yeah. So the, the other side of that too is like, why me? Why am I here? And like, and doing a podcast is neat. Right. Um, but you know, what does this all mean? Like, what is my position in the universe? Um, you know, how does it all work and how do I fit into it? And and for me and for a lot of other people, those answers are are drastically different than they were before you had cancer. Like this, it, it cuts your life in half, no matter how you do it. You, there's before and after. And and after is, is in, in a lot of ways vastly different than before. And you it call that after, you have a term for that, I think, on your, at least the story I read. Uh, uh, Tim 2.0 was... Uh, was what the 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 journalist guy called okay, it from the maybe hospital. It's not you. Yeah, I, I didn't call it that, but I like it. Tim two point oh, you know, and, and and what now? Why am I here? And what now? And what do I do? And you know, and, and part, a big hunk of it is that yeah, you know, we don't know what happens next, right? It's too soon to tell what happens when we die. We just don't know. And there's a lot of very smart people with a lot of very different opinions, all vehemently held and defended, right? And they can't all be right. The only thing that we know for sure is that we don't know, right? There's no consensus. We have no idea what happens next. All I know is what happens now. You know, what do I have right now? This is what I have. I don't know that tomorrow I'm not going to feel a weird pain in my side and it's going to be back. Or I'm going to get on my bike and get on my motorcycle and get you know, pushed off the road by a, a, a CDL student driver. You know, they can push me into the curb. Or a rabbit right. dog, you know, you never a know. Rabbit dog. Like, yeah, like who knows? We don't know. That's the thing that there's no, there's no surety at all. There's no surety in anything, right? The only surety we have is that we, we have a temporary time. Right. Yeah, now. And, and, and it, the time is ticking, but we don't even know how much it is. Right. Yeah. We don't you know, like, see the hourglass or the right, sunglass. Yeah. Like, like you know, so that's the thing that like, be like somebody's sick joke, honestly. Like we don't get to see the. Yeah, we don't know what the balance is. Yeah, like how do I make any budgeting decisions like, if I don't know what the balance is? Like, can I pay my mortgage? I don't know. You're like, like in basketball, sh- you got a shot clock or whatever. You can see, right? It. You, you know, know when, you when it's up. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> we don't. That, we don't. That is very right. True. So for me, the only assumption I can make is that I have right now. I have today. I have this second. So how can I make the world a little bit better than it was when I found it? You know, what Did can I do to make things a little better at all? With um, because I see that going two ways. Like you could be totally afraid. Or just say, I'm not, I'm going to get through the fear and just do what I'm doing. Totally afraid of, of, because I mean, of the the vast emptiness that's coming. (laughs) I I can see my, like, I'm just going to use myself, but like, okay. Like, I don't want to do anything too strenuous because I just survived this. Like I want to live, but, or you could live in fear or Mm -hmm. you obviously, if you had fear, you you're pushing through it. Because well, I, I knew it was, as far as my disease was concerned, like I knew it wasn't, it, it didn't depend at all on what I did or didn't do. Like I was, I did all the things you're supposed to do and none of the things you're not supposed to do. Like I smoked in college, but like I didn't drink a whole lot. Like I ate well, I exercised every day. Like I was in peak as for me anyway, just about as good as I was going to get. And you know, the universe rolled their dice and, and lymphoma comes up. 
you know, it didn't matter what I did. I probably could have spent my days, you know, eating fried chicken and, and smoking all day and, and drinking nothing but black coffee and whiskey. And I probably still would have got the same thing, you know, maybe sooner. I don't know. Might but not have had a good, a, a I might not have had as, as, as positive an outcome, mm-hmm. but you know, there's nothing that I could have done differently to, to change what happened. You know, so all I can do now is, is, is try to be as, as, as good as I can be now. So if it comes back, I'm, I'm ready for it in some semblance. Yeah, but is no, I'm not a big picture for you now that you're on the second part. You say there's the before and the after, like, uh, the, in terms of what? change for you, a main change. Sorry. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> the, in the, the biggest movies, thing, it's a big, this idea. And yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah, your life, so life is, is yeah, all of a life sudden, is in a movie. <laughs> Right, yeah. It is for me. My wife says I live in a movie. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to learn because you're amazing to me. Like, your attitude getting through it and the physical part. But the physical part's the easy part, honestly. Like, it's it's the existential angst that's tough. You know, I I had what I thought were sure and solid answers until I was, yeah. I I mean, I had a lot of doubts about a lot of stuff that I kept shoving down. But, um, yeah, but for the most part, I, I thought I had what was a pretty sure foundation. And then poof, like no longer there. And, but I also like, like, I don't like to define myself by what I don't believe in, right? And what I'm not like, that's a very negative way to go through life. I'd much rather mm-hmm. define myself and my actions by what I do believe and what I do think and what I, you know, what I, what I think is true, not what I think is false. Um, and so what I, the big change for me is that there's, it's kind of this weird dichotomy, right? On one hand, yeah, what are we? We're we're a grain of sand on a on a speck of a speck of dust on a grain of sand in an infinitely expanding universe, spinning around a ball of fire that's going around and around and around, expanding in every direction at the speed of light, and has been forever. Like in the grand scheme of things, how important am I? Not very, right? Not very important, really. But we don't live in the grand scheme of things, right? We live in the minutia. We live in the weeds. We live in the details. You know, we're surrounded by the people that we love. Right. And the things that we love. And for those people, I'm very important and they're very important to me. So, yeah. So, what if I'm just a speck of dust on a grain of sand in an infinitely expanding universe? Because they're not getting any farther away. Right. They're right here with me and I'm right here with them. So, you know, it's, it's doing the best you can to make the world better, not just in a big way, but for the people that you love and for the people that you're with and the people you come in contact with. You know, how can I make their day? And I don't always do a good job of it. Like I fail spectacularly uh, all the time, right? But you're more conscious. But you get up, you dust yourself off, and 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 the other thing too is that coming from my from my point of view, coming to the point of view that that I really don't know what's happening next. I don't know if there's an afterlife. I have no idea what it's going to be like. What you have to do to get there, I don't know. But I know that this moment can never be relived. We can't pause it. We can't rewind it. We can't fast forward through it. We've only got this, which makes it so much more precious. Like every moment is unique unto itself and so, so precious. You know, I can't pass it off on, will there be something even better later? I don't know if there will be or not. I hope there is, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But if I spend my days thinking I'm going to get, wait till it gets better, wait till it gets better. It's not going to get better. Yeah, and then and then if it doesn't get better, then you wasted all the time worrying right. about crap. Right. <laughs> yeah. Worst case scenario, yes. if I live my life now trying to do as best I can, is that I've lived a good life. Definitely. Right. And like and you said, maybe we're not the big thing in the universe, but 
Yeah. I've had days where I was having the worst day and some random stranger would just say something off the cuff or something. Right. It just totally make me laugh, right? And it grab your butt the you know, rest the grocery of line. my day. Yeah. <laughs> <Boop>. <laughs> totally wipe out, you know, knock over the uh the aisle of food or something, you know. Yeah. But and to them it's no big deal, but to the rest of my day totally changed. Vastly different because of one small act of kindness, right? One little, Mm -hmm. you know, off the cuff kind remark can be all that is the world. You have no idea what, what anybody else is going through. Right. So you don't know what, I don't know what your struggles are, your fights are, you don't know what mine are. And and it's not like it's a competition. It's like your shit's worse than my shit. So screw you. Like, yeah, there's no trophy for the big, the biggest. No, who's got the worst poop, right? Like nobody (laughs) cares. Like we've all got our stuff and it's not a competition. And, and what might be life shattering for you, I might not even think about, but it doesn't matter to me. Right. What's life shattering to you is it's important to you. Right. And, and as maybe precious little impact on me at all, it doesn't matter. Right. But it's important to you. And that's what makes it important. And we don't, I don't know what you're dealing with. So, you know, if I say something mean, that could be the last straw. Like that could be it for you. Yeah. But I've never regretted saying something kind. You know, I've never regretted doing the right thing right. or doing the nice thing. If I had to choose something and I chose to do something, do the kind thing, I've never felt like, boy, I really should have been a dick. Like that was a mistake. Yeah. That was, should have been. Your <laughs> Man, he had it coming. And I point. gave and, it to him. And you're doing that because, and we're going to get. To, yeah, we've been uh, talking for a long time. Portion. We haven't ta- we haven't even said the word motorcycle for yeah. like, a long time. Yeah, well, <laughs> Cody has a habit of derailing things. <laughs> it's it's my superpower. Sorry it is. Sorry. My superpower is forgetting someone's name immediately. I'm so glad that your guys' names are on the box where your face is. <laughs> I'm so glad that I just call you our wonderful guest. <laughs> so should we talk about motorcycles? Yes. How did you yes. get some motorcycles from cancer? Because you. You didn't ride before, is that I correct? didn't. I didn't. This is all relatively new. I've been riding a motorcycle for about a year. Um, my son, Nick, my oldest son, got a motorcycle. He got a little Kawasaki uh, Ninja 250, you know, insert standard starter bike here. And uh, we were all terrified. And and As for good reason. because usually he, are. Yeah, because we're parents. And he put it down. Like, he definitely did. But he didn't tell us about it, which is good. But he, you know, is still alive now. And he had it for a while and then it just wasn't running right and he couldn't figure it out. And he was moving to Georgia and he was going to like, just give it away pretty much. Like I have a non-running Kawasaki who wants it. And uh, my daughter Madeline says, well, Hey, you know, I'd like to learn how to ride a motorcycle. So Nick says, look, if you can get this thing running, you can have it. So she said, yeah, cool. Jumps on it. So I said, hold on a second. If you're learning how to ride a motorcycle, I'm learning how to ride a motorcycle. We're going to make this a daddy-daughter thing, not a rebellious daughter thing. We're doing this together. <laughs> Brilliant. Right? So, I love it. And Nick, it took me on, on the bike once. I like I did circles in his parking lot in his garage. I never even like, I don't even think I twisted the throttle. Like I barely got the clutch out. And that was it. And that was probably a year prior. So Madeline and I got the bike. Um, turns out all it needed was a battery. Like he had the wrong battery in it. It was too small. So it run for a while nice. and then it would stop. And so I had to jump it and run for a while and I had to stop. So 50 bucks when she, I got a first deal, she didn't give me 50 bucks. But, um, <laughs> so a $50 fix and the bike is running great. And we're both learning how to ride, but now we have a problem where we have two people that ride a motorcycle and only one oh, motorcycle, oh. which is at least one too few. Yes, right? I think least. the appropriate number of motorcycles, the formula is N plus one, right? N being yes. the number of motorcycles you have and then plus one. Oh, yeah. The other, the other way you can look at it is, is D minus one, which D meaning divorce. 
So whatever is one motorcycle less than divorce yes, is the bike number that you need to have. Yeah. One less than divorce. <laughs> yeah. So my next door neighbor had this old uh, Suzuki GS 500. You know, it, it is, it is not sexy. It is not fast, but it was in her garage and it had been there for a long time. Like I, I remember seeing her husband on it once and they've been divorced for a while. So I didn't know like what kind of shape it was in. So I was texting her back and forth, like, hey, do you still have that bike? And we're going back and forth. And she finally says, Tim, do you want my motorcycle? I said, well, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) So if you can get out of the garage, you can have it. So I took it out of the garage. Like I had to clear a bunch of stuff out, wheeled into my garage. And I was elbows deep in carburetors before I knew what I was doing. You know, I'm trying to fit because it wouldn't start. I mean, I hadn't run in 15 years. They're just sitting in the back. And I, I can't believe it was in as good a shape as it was, but you know, the carbs were a mess. They're all gunked up. I put new fuel lines in. I cleaned the carbs out, new pilots, new jets, the whole thing. I learned that carb cleaner hurts like hell when you get it in your eye. Like it's yes. really bad. Like Tastes I looked at the carb. Like, oh, look, there's some gunk in there. And I sprayed it right in as I was looking at it, shot right back out and right into my face. And, that is and, not oh, an alternative to laser surgery. No, course. like now I'm blind. Uh, it burns. It's so bad. So I got it running pretty well, uh, not never quite right, but it, and I finally took it to a shop. And it turns out her ex husband was 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 fussing with it too, and he drilled those pilot screws in so tight that the needle tip snapped off. That was the divorce bike. So he, uh, that was he was yeah, yelling he at him. Purpose. He's turning that screw, and he, yeah, he kept turning the screws, and the tips of the the pilots snapped off. So th- no matter what I did to it, the only gas that was getting in the engine was sneaking past the broken needle tips. So that as it, it bounced, it was getting a little gas. <laughs> yeah, it would get a little gas. And if I got less than half a tank, it died because then there wasn't enough weight pushing the weight, pushing the gas through the system. <laughs> so um, we got that running. It was great. And then and then I saw, um, yeah, then I wanted something faster, immediately wanted something faster, uh, something bigger, you know, something a little cooler. And I was scouring Facebook Marketplace and and I found this old Yamaha Virago 1100 that I just, I saw it. I go, oh, I want that one. That is a cool bike. And it was that cheap. That is a cool bike. And I, 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 sold, I sold the Ninja for like a hundred bucks less than what I bought the Virago for. It's got, it, it might have, it probably has 35,000 miles on it now. The title says 35. The, the speedometer says 24. There's a discrepancy there I'm not sure of. The cable but, came loose. The cable definitely came loose. And the guy that had it before me, he did some shoddy construction work. Like the speedometer didn't work when I got it. So I had to replace that. Uh, the valves were all a mess. The exhaust was just shoved on. It wasn't clamped on in any way, shape, or form. It was just hanging on. Yeah. Let's well, so say like he could the, be loud if he wanted or was, quiet if he needed. Yeah. All it did was gurgle. It didn't really help. Um, I the, the throttle cable snapped in my garage and uh, like right after I got home. So thank God it wasn't when I was away, but I got home and I- I just went to move the bike and snap. So I, I replaced that. And, you know, the throttle cable, there's screws at either end to adjust the slack. And this guy, yeah. I guess, didn't know that. So he just wrapped the slack around the handlebar. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how it works. Like, I can't figure out how this worked. But <sighs> Talk so about that was the level throttle. of, it was a whiskey <laughs> throttle for sure. So I got that bike running. Uh, we put a new exhaust on it. My father-in-law and I did. We almost killed it taking the header off um, or taking the, the, the head the exhaust off of the front cylinder. We snap one of the bolts like, Oh crap. Like I just snapped the bolt that goes into the engine block and there's oh, JB weld. No, I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. no, we did not JB weld. We, we drilled it out. We took our time and we drilled that thing out. It took a long time, but oh, man, my father-in-law just killed my motorcycle with one bolt. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, it sucks. I think we we've fixed all it. felt that. This is oh. one bolt, you know? Man, one bolt takes a 20-minute job and takes you to a three-day ordeal, right? Like one bolt. Sweating bullets. So got it fixed. And it, run, you know, it runs pretty well now. We did the valves and all that stuff. But but um, I was going to so – so all of this to say that uh, I think we said in the beginning, I ride my motorcycle across the country. I'm going from California. I'm going to come home to the Lancaster area. And um, this all started because I was I was working with another another drug company as a, as a paid consultant, essentially. And they were flying me out to California for some training. And I, they had a training in Virginia and I said, I want to ride the bike down. They said, cool, we'll, we'll pay you for the mileage. You use your own car rather than you flying. We fly you out there. We'll just pay you for the mileage. So I said, I wonder if they'll pay me for the mileage if I ride my motorcycle home. So I'm going to see if I can do this, right? So <laughs> motorcycle noises intensify. And um, boom, boom. so I, yeah, so I, I, I kind of floated the idea past them. I'm like, well, we'd have to talk, but I think we could probably make that happen. And then I, I soft sold the idea to Trish and it, it wasn't an immediate no, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't an exactly, it wasn't an overwhelmingly positive yes either. It's kind right? of but a that's half a half win. win. Could it was a, a half win. Trap too. It was. It, it could go yeah. both ways. <laughs> I was very very delicate with it. Um. So yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't an enthusiastic support, but it wasn't it wasn't hard no. Uh, so we're kind of dancing around the idea and like kind of loosely talking about it. I'm trying to like plan a route and say, oh, maybe I'll go over the Rockies. And okay, that's a bad idea in March. I was going to be out there flying out on the 20th of March. So the Rockies in March on a motorcycle is a bad idea. Mm. It's very cold um, if in, in the best of circumstances. So it's still kind of like playing with the idea, kind of, you know, wondering, is this another one of those forgiveness instead of permission cards? How many have I used? I think I'm overdrawn on that account. Uh, um, but then how's I got a credit? call from, how's my credit is not that good. So <laughs> I got a call from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and I've done some work with them before, um, you know, helped them out with some fundraising before, um, you know, as their honored hero for the light the night program in Lancaster in, in 2019. And, you know, they've been very good to me. And, uh, they had asked me earlier in that year, if I'd be, want to be involved in any of the you know, executive stuff. And I said, you know, like, I just, I can't this year. Like, like my wife also, you know, had her own cancer last year. Uh, she had breast cancer. So, um, I was oh, kind of tied up with that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Like she was so jealous of my cancer. She had to go get some of her own. How <laughs> dare she? Oh, I know. Goodness. Right. So, you know, that was, you know, so now I played the role of caregiver and had to take care of the family. And now I was getting my real estate practice up and running again. And like, just like the whole goal for last year was, was get Trisha well. And this year was to just put my head down and sell a crap ton of houses. Like just go, 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 go. Um, so, so I really didn't on have a mission already. You I'm on a mission. And I knew that if I got involved with LLS stuff, I'd want to do it well. And I, I just didn't have the time to give it the attention that it deserved. And I told her that back in like, you know, earlier in the year. So she called me, uh, her name is Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea calls me and said, Hey, I know you said you didn't want to be in lot involved in stuff, but you were just nominated to be one of the visionaries of the year. And, um, this is a big deal. Wow. And I didn't want, I didn't want you to not choose to do this because I didn't tell you, you know, so would you be interested in being one of our visionary of the year candidates? And I immediately, yes, yes, of course I would love to do that. Um, you know, when does the campaign start? It's a fundraising campaign. It's really just fancy fundraising, right? When does it start? March 23rd. I have an idea. Oh, yeah. Two of them, two of them turning very, very fast. So, uh, I said, Chelsea, I'm going to be in California on March 23rd. Um, 
would it be a good idea to raise money by riding a motorcycle home? She's like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. I said, I have to make a phone call. So, uh, you know, I, I called my wife and I said, Hey, um, I want to talk about this motorcycle thing and something really cool just happened. And I, you know, they want me to be a visionary of the year. It's a big fundraising thing. Um, I think I'd like to take this motorcycle ride and, and do it for that. And then at that point, you know, she was, she was behind it. She said, this is, yeah, that's cool. Do that. Um, in fact, I think she said at one point, I'm sorry that I didn't see what an epic adventure this is going to be earlier. And I said, what? wait, what? Hold on. Wait. Back that up. Wait. What was those first two words? <laughs> so I didn't push it, but I, I got it. I heard the, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I understand too, from her point of view, like, hey, can I take 10 days and ride my motorcycle all over the place while you're home alone with the five kids trying to get them all out the door and fed and all that? And it's a big ask. I, I get that. Like, it definitely is a lot to ask of her. So, um, you know, when it was just daddy takes a cool trip, it wasn't nearly as appealing. But now it's, you know, daddy raises $100,000 for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That's a lot more palatable. Um, so, you know, hats off to Trish for, for letting me do this. Yes. So then all kinds bless of other wheels wife. start spinning. Yes, bless my wife. She puts up with a lot. I mean, she puts up with me. Um, I asked her once why she married me, and she said being a nun would have been too easy. <laughs> so, and I give her an opportunity to prove that right almost daily. <laughs> when when we first started dating, before we started dating, she was going to be a nun, and I was kind of I was like I was checking her out, and I found out she's going to be a nun. I said, "Well, I'm not. You know, forget it. I'm going to back off that. Like, even if I win that fight, I'm going to lose. Like, either I've got the worst ex boyfriend in history to try and live up to, or." a really vindictive ex and either way it could go either way and neither one's good. Right. Yeah. Like I've read the old Testament. He can be mean. (laughs) I don't know about that. Like he wasn't real nice to the people that loved him. (laughs) Guy that steals his girl is going to be a particular coming together now. Yeah. So, um, right. Yeah. This has all been, I've been smitten. Yeah. It was, he hit the smite button on me. So, uh, so now other wheels are turning like, all right, so now how do we do this? How do we make this happen? What do I have to do? Say, so, well, I need a motorcycle. Like, I, I have a motorcycle, but I'm not sure that my 25 year old Virago with questionable mileage and worse maintenance history is the bike to ride. Like, I don't know if this is going to get the job done. Especially, there's a lot of nowhere. It sounds in, like adventure. It does, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> and I would do it. Like, I would have done it. Like, but I started asking a bunch of manufacturers, like, just getting on LinkedIn and finding like all the decision makers I could for, for Harley and Indian and Yamaha, not Honda. Cause I don't want to ride a Goldwing. I'm not that old, but um, you know, anyone that made a big cruiser BMW, you know, and, and I had a couple conversations that didn't like, they started off. Okay. And then they kind of fizzled. Um, but then I also got a hold of the guys from go fast. Don't die. Um, Brady uh, from there. And we had a great conversation and we hit it off immediately. Like he owned a CrossFit gym too. And like, there's just a lot of, of weird symbol or uh, overlap. Like he, he did sound for, um, and it was kind of random that he got there. He was calling the last minute to do sound for the national oncologist meeting a year or two ago. And they spent two days talking about car T and his job was to make sure that everybody could hear every word. Right. So like he was dialed into what I was talking about too. Like he knew what was happening. Um, so one of the questions he asked is, so do you guys have a bike? I said, well, I have, you know, my bike, so would you maybe like to borrow ours? I said, I think I, I probably would. Like, I'm not even knowing what it was. Like, yeah, I think yours is probably better. <laughs> says, have you heard of a BMW R18? And my jaw hit the floor. Like, yeah, that, I, yes, I would. Yes, I would love to ride that across the country. That is a badass motorcycle. You know, so yeah, absolutely. 
so that all worked out. Now we're, he's he's bringing the bike down from Wyoming to meet me in LA, and and I'm gonna ride across Somebody's the country. At the door. I love the story because a lot of times we uh, we push things we want to happen. You know, I'm guilty of beating my head into the wall yeah. trying to make it happen. But uh, like when I started my YouTube and my motorcycle journey, um, things just started falling together like you're like you're talking about things that even telling people it's like oh that's right that doesn't you're happen. making this crap this up. can't be right yeah that can't happen just like when i got off when we did the last podcast <laughs> and i'm talking to my wife and she's all you know that's my department is lymphoma and i helped roll out car t uh at the university of utah huntsman hospital and i'm like oh shut up you're just trying to be cool she's all then she starts telling me about how when they're recovering, it can go into their brain. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, my wife, I, I, I can't win this argument. She's totally Tim wasn't lying. <laughs> but it was really cool because then I drilled her of, like, she's worked there for over, I don't know, 10 years. And I've uh, probably asked her more questions in the last two days about her job than, <laughs> than I have over the 10 years. So. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, it's, it's amazing when, when things start to line up. Like, and when I start getting rammy, things start getting broken. Right? You, you can feel it when you're forcing it. Like, it just... Yeah, and sometimes like I'm I'm stubborn AF. Like at my house, AF means as foretold. So I am stubborn as foretold. Um, and so sometimes so that's good, and sometimes warned. that's bad. Yeah, she was warned. She knew. <laughs> so you know, sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's bad, right? Like with with cancer stuff, I think it's probably good to be stubborn, and I think that kept me alive. But I've 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 held on to things long past their expiration date, like situations and relationships and friends and beliefs, all that because I'm stubborn, long past when I should have. But when you start getting rammy, you know, stuff starts breaking. Yeah. You know, and it's just kind of sit back and, and it's not necessarily like it's a balance, right? You can't just be passive to everything and let anything just exactly. happen. It's and not giving up, but no, but it's, it's, it's reading the room, you know, like, and trying to figure out what's working and what's not and, and leaning into what's working and leaning away from what isn't, um, knowing that it, it may swing back the other way someday, but yeah, it's, it's but kind reading, of reading the situation and they say, yeah, like, and, and kind of going where, you know, going where you think is the right thing to do and, 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 and giving it your all until, until it's not working anymore and then figure something else out. I just think but, it's cool that like you planned this kind of, and it was, uh, and you could right. have rammed, you could, I'm sure you could have, I could have been ramming to it and, yeah. and gone with it, but you didn't. And then like it came back around, but now it's in a way that's it's so much bigger, better than, yeah, yeah. it's like going to affect yeah. like so many more people and yeah it, it really is it's, it's a really a... cool story and i mean i'm glad you're sharing it with us well i'm glad to be here i really am so yeah hoping to raise you know 50 grand by the time i get home i need a, i need 500 people to give me 100 bucks you know and, and by the time i get home and then the, the fundraising starts on the 23rd of march uh, i'll be in california someplace uh sunny southern california where it looks to be 50 degrees and raining next week great <laughs> Say hi to Hollywood for you know, us. Like, I was yes. going to go to Hollywood. I was going to try and ride at the Pacific Coast Highway on Wednesday, but it's going to be raining. I don't know if, if Route 1 is where I want to be in a wet road. Like It's a little too close to the cliff no, for me to do that on right. someone else's motorcycle. <laughs> that, that could change, but yeah, that's a it might. smart decision. So, yes. now, so how we'll can figure people out. help, uh, help so, the cause? Yeah, so the Facebook page, uh, if you could search Facebook for um, – uh, hold on to the name of it. I just changed it. It's um, – uh, 
Uh, it's in the highway to hope. Highway to hope is what it is. Highway to hope. Highway to hope. We're going to spoof on the highway to hell thing and we're going to play an acoustic version of it somehow. Um, not so, all writing, I hope. No, 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 okay. not at all. Not at all. Um, so yeah, highway to hope on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. There's also a, um, where did I put it? There's also the link. a link. In There's the also a link that I did legitimately try very hard today to write a jingle for, and it's impossible. <laughs> there's no, there's no jingle that can be done to make this no. work. Send me the lyrics. I'll help you out. It's, it's well, the lyrics are the link. Um, let uh-huh. me see if I can find uh-huh. it. Don't oh, go. Let's boy. see if I can find it. It is. It Come on, is. Chappie, we can make my jingle. <laughs> yes. So there will be a link in the description of the right. podcast. Uh, as this airs, right, we won't the day all before my and is the day that uh, you start you your journey. Start, you can start donating. So the 23rd, yeah, so I start this yeah twenty third when it goes. Oh, perfect. So that's when I'm starting my first leg of the journey. Is um, is that? Let me get to the page here. And how long is the the window open for them to donate? It is open from the twenty third of March until the second of June. So here's right. here's the link. It rolls off the tongue. Pages.lls.org backslash V-O-Y backslash C-P-A backslash H-B-G-2-3 backslash T-C-A-R-D-9. Oh, totally. Everybody, it's sing it in, with me, folks. That's just in seven four timing, I think, or something. I don't, it is. It's, it's going to be in. It's going to be like uh, Uncle John's band or Salisbury Hill. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, yeah. one. Wait, what? <laughs> if you can send me that link in email, I will. I yes. will make sure it gets into the description of the podcast. Yep. So, if you're listening to this, you can look at the description, click on that link if you want to help donate. Uh, the money goes to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, right? And and they do so much work. They, they do, do so much work. Like I know they, my wife's gone to a light the night. Actually, she was supposed to be in charge, and then we went on vacation. So she, whoops. <laughs> she, but she still organized it. Just didn't yeah. Go. But they do great things. They do great work, and they do a lot. Like and they use the money, right? Right. They, they're a very transparent organization. Something like eighty some odd cents of the dollar that you donate goes to actually working for what they're doing and very little of it goes to the administrator. There's always some that has to go to, you know, to keep the lights on at the place. Yes. But, but the vast, vast majority charity is, a is very good. That actually yeah. goes to you. Very, very good. Uh, almost as good as like the human fund, you know, m- money for people, you know, a lot of that goes right to them. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, so they actually, part of the reason I got involved with them, they reached out to me is because, CAR T was one of the, the the research things that they found they funded. Like their money went to the research to make CAR T possible. Um, so I'm I'm alive in a very real way because of the work the LLS did. Um, you know they they're getting they're getting CAR T now for uh, for children. You know and not like not the rough draft that Emily Whitehead got, but like you know a children's version, like children's Tylenol version, uh, using nice. it for different diseases. Multiple myeloma now is is an approved. Uh, they still can't use it on on solid tumors, but the blood cancer stuff they can use it on. Uh, for most of them now. Um, and also just support for the actual patients, you know, support yes. for 
uh, tuition reimbursement for for co-pays, for transportation, for housing, yes. you know, uh, medical bills, uh, regular bills, all that stuff. Like all that money goes funnels right to the people that need it. Like I was right there on the about spot. That because that's awesome. After cart, you have to be like within a half hour of the hospital, at least here yeah. in Utah, right? So yeah. If you're not local, like right there, then you would have you to gotta stay somewhere housing or a hotel or, or something, yeah. right? You so, have to be within a half hour of the hospital? Yeah, for several weeks or a month. After oh, the wow. treatment, yeah. Right, because things can turn on a dime quick. If I had a fever of over 100.4, I had to go to the ER right away. Like, don't pass go, don't collect $200, go directly to the ER, um, which I did once. I did one time. But uh, I mean, the other it time helps I, out I, people with unexpected. I mean, yeah, and they're already down when they've got you know cancer, like literally, like yeah, don't yeah. kick them when they're down. So it helps out, and like all that money helps. Like I, I know people who who beat cancer, but their lives are now ruined, right? Because yeah. the bills piled up and their credit is destroyed, and they owe so much money to so many people. Um, but they're alive, you know. But yeah, insurance only pays so much. Yeah, but they're. I, wrecked. I know my my father. Um, his medication, the only reason he can afford it is because he got a grant. Yeah, it's super expensive. Like even the, the CAR T stuff, like just my dose, just the, the one dose of medicine they made for me was half a million dollars. Oh. That's just the medicine. That doesn't include, you know, Hospital giving me the medicine, the, the 17 treatment. days in the hospital after, the six months of chemo beforehand, the radiation, the x-rays, the CAT scans, the PT. The babysitter. The babysitter, the gas, the, <laughs> you know, thankfully we only lived 25 minutes away. We didn't have to stay at another place. We we're close enough, but I mean, it's, it piles on. It's so hard. You know, there's so many people that, that beat the disease and, and are, are now ruined. In a so, very real way. By helping this cause, you can help. Help that not happen so much yes. anymore. You know, and it's, it's just, and anything you can do, especially if you know people that are sick, like try to be helpful. And in and, and ways that, that like don't tell them to drink oxygenated water, you know, but like, no, you know, bring just be food. there. Bring, make them, them laugh. What do you, make them laugh. Yeah. What do you need? That's what can so you do? Like some people, like, like I said earlier, like some people come out of the woodwork and and you never would have expected it. When I yeah, first got diagnosed, my people from my high school, my grade school, that I haven't talked to in 30 years, like in my rearview mirror, way back there, they organized Christmas for my family from oh, New Jersey, wow. right? Holy like cow. I live 150 miles away. I The person that put it together, her name is Katie. I haven't talked to her since high school, right? And she got in touch with me for some reason. She heard that I was sick I, and I wasn't, I wasn't quiet about it, but you know, she got wind of it and said, Hey, we want to help. And, and people from my past, from 30 years in my past got so many, it was an embarrassment of gifts for my family for Christmas, not just the that kids, like awesome. Trish, me, it like it was absurd. Uh, and like, and overwhelming, like overwhelmingly abs- in, in absurd in a good way. Um, one guy I know, uh, his name is Brian. His brother owns uh, a painting company and he painted the inside of my house. And he looked around the house and said, how can I make your recovery easier? And you know, my house wasn't, it wasn't falling apart, but we've got seven children and they live pretty hard. And most of them are boys. And yeah, you know, there's some scuffs right, on the wall. Right and on the walls. Like, yeah. Like what would it be? Would it, would it be more relaxing at home if the place was painted and touched up a bit? So, yeah, that, that'd be great. So they sent a crew in and over the weekend, they painted my house. 
You're like stuff I never would have in a million years asked anyone to do. Yeah, you know, somebody else of. set up a, a GoFundMe for me, which I, I was totally embarrassed about. Um, like I, I, I do not like being on the receiving end of charity. Um, I never in a million years would have set it up myself, but uh, but he set it up, and you know, and and I couldn't believe like tens of thousands of dollars from all over the place came in, and that made it possible for me to you know not be destitute in the the two years that I was sick and recovering. You know, and other things helped too. Like I sold the gym and I sold a couple of houses. My parents helped a lot. Like, like I had help from other. Yeah. I was very blessed right. to have some help, but that was a big hunk of it. You know, I just it's it's yeah, it was I, one less thing to worry. One about less thing to worry about. And yeah, we had food that for we can we had food we, for like six months. Like the the people at the gym wow. set up a meal train. Yeah, and by the by the end of it, like we were so tired of casserole and chili and eh, pasta. Yeah. <laughs> like the kids look at it like, uh, it's like I look, man, like I get it. Like I don't yeah. want to eat the the sad soup either. You know, the cancer casserole or <laughs> I know, love the chemo chili. Sharing, I love you sharing that story. But but people do it, man. Do it. When our son was in the hospital long ago, I don't talk yeah. much about that. But um, people come out of the woodwork. Yeah. It, it, it's the most surprising. The other thing that's surprising is the people that don't come out, the people that you expect that would and just don't show up. Yeah, you man, that's and that's just as hard to deal with as it is overwhelming with the positive stuff. It is. Like, it can be shocking. Like, yeah, like you would where think you're were solid, you? this bro yeah. or sis or whatever, you're right? Solid, and, and then all of a sudden you're ghosted. Right. Like, where the hell were you? And it wasn't. I don't think any of it's malicious. I think a lot of it is. No, is some people just short circuit and they can't yeah, do it. Like, scared, fear, like. But at the oh, end, I want to of, talk about the cancer. I know you don't <laughs> know what comes at the end. None of us do. But right. uh, I remember a lot of my family moved away. My grandma, I loved my grandma. Um, we called her Queen Ruth, but she was very demanding and <laughs> needy. And I remember bitching, like, because I was just having a young family. I remember bitching, I got to go help grandma mow the lawn. I got to, I got to do the, you know, sprinklers, whatever. And, uh, I happened to be working down the road from the place she was when she, I guess she knew she was going, she was going downhill and she asked for me uh, to come. I was one of the people she asked for and, and I went and saw her and uh, she just grabbed my face and just like gave me this kiss. Like she would not let go of my face. Oh. And it, it was just like at that moment, like I knew it, all that, that I went through meant something, but, at the time, it was just, I'm just mowing the lawn. It doesn't mean crap. I'm just, you know. Yeah. Just helping out in painting a house, mowing the lawn, bring their yeah. favorite drink, watch yeah, their kids. Like little stuff. Little for stuff. a night like, so they can have alone time or, yeah. you know. Not that it's very fun when you're in the middle of all that. Well, no, <laughs> I'm not. It doesn't have to be. And it's it not making any that, babies at that point. <laughs> I can imagine, you know, when you're going through hard stuff, there's conversations you don't want the kids hearing. Or, yeah. You right. know. And even if it's not like, you know, let's go get, let, let's go get laid. Like that's not going to happen, but yeah, let's right. go on a date. Like, yeah, if you can yeah, watch the just kids remember so we can get a cup of coffee and step out of the house some for a little while, time together. that'd be great. Yeah, little things. It doesn't take, yeah, it doesn't take much. And, and like one people, some of the people ask me like, what do you want to eat? Like what, like people can bring pizza and, and all that stuff all the time. Cause it's, you can feed the masses for mm-hmm. little money and that's great. But like for one guy said, what do you want? I said, man, I want breakfast. I want, I want good breakfast food. And they brought me piles of like French toast and eggs and bacon. And we had Brenner, right? We had breakfast for dinner. And it was awesome. And I just, you know, so just you know, being deliberately kind. 
Yeah. Right. If, if there's someone that you know, that's going through some shit, it doesn't have to be cancer, but like be present, be there. And like, how, what can I do? Even if it's just to, to listen or to give them a ride somewhere, like it doesn't have to be this big grand gesture that costs a lot of money. Right. Yeah. It can, and you know, and it could be to that person, a grand gesture. You don't right. even know it and you may never know it. Right. But it, you know, people affect us all. So yeah. Very good so cause. Good. I'm glad you made it through. I am so glad you reached out to, to Kathy <clears throat> and I. So I'm, I'm so glad you guys got back you. to me. Cody, are you okay with uh, taking April's Patreon, kicking it into the... Yes. Okay. What, so, what just uh, happened? Well, we we've, we've did it last year for uh, Go Roughly. Uh, what we're going to do is, uh, if you come over to Patreon, and whatever money we get from Patreon, we're going to take that... And we'll double it and s- set it up for. Oh wow! Yes, thank uh, you, thank you. That's amazing. For the thank you so much. So that's. Oh. If you don't want to donate yourself, you can come over and just join Patreon for the month. If you don't want to stay or you want to yep. check it out, come on in and whatever we already are getting. Double whatever up. we get for the month of April. So our, our April. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, They're coming for you. It's been a hell of a, hell of a night. So uh, whatever we get for the month of April, whatever we make on Patreon, we will take that. I will double it. And then I will make a donation. Oh, that's a name of throttled adventures uh, listeners. Thank you. That's yes. incredible. And if anybody wants to, if somebody's out there and wants to join me, you know, I'm I'm going to uh you know, I'd love some company. I mean, my internal oh. dialogue oh my is God. scary. Are On you all right, right there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you want to come get some company? Like come keep me company for a while. I just might do that. Be careful what you ask for. Okay, friend. so I would love that. So I'm starting so you in Los call Angeles. Him the day before. Yeah. We'll we'll because, find we'll find well, some no, way to contact. Th- this me. is the Cody thing. If okay. you set it up now. He'll forget. It's yes. not well. It's not going to happen. happen. You have okay. to call him and say, "Hey, I'm about to pass through Arizona, just below just you." Just so you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. You want to meet me tomorrow, and he'll be there. <laughs> so the the route is um, it's on the Facebook page and all that stuff. But I'm I'm starting in Santa Monica, California, going to flag no no going to Phoenix the first night. Uh, that's on the 24th. I'm going to spend the day there with my son, Colby. We're going to ride motorcycles and climb mountains on the 25th. On the 26th, I'm going from Phoenix to Roswell, which is a long-ass day in the saddle. It's like 500 mm. miles, uh, maybe a little more. Um, the 20, so that's the 26th, 27th, I'm going from Roswell to Dallas. Uh, 28th, I'm going from Dallas to Austin. Uh, which is only like 200 miles, but then I'm meeting a couple other YouTube guys down there. We're going to do some videos and stuff down there. Uh, Whitney does. I'm meeting her, and she's going to bring along Spike from Spike's Corner. Uh, so we're going to meet there and do some video stuff, and then maybe on to Houston that night. I'm not. I'm not real sure. It depends on how Austin goes. But either way, I'm going to go from Austin to Louisiana to to Covington, which is north of Lake Pontchartrain, uh, north of the city of New Orleans. Uh, from there, I'm going to go to uh, Atlanta. From, from Louisiana to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Charlottesville, Virginia. And then the last wow. day, April 1st, I'm going to take the Skyline Drive from Charlottesville up to Front Royal and then probably just get on 81 and take the boring way home from there. 
Do you need a sport bike just following you? I, I mean, I wouldn't mind. You know, come along. Bike. If anybody wants to give us like gas need, money or whatever. food money, I'd be cool with that too. I'll hold the sign out. I'll stand by the yeah. road, hold the sign. <laughs> Go to Don't be one of those myself, but, but seriously, so, you you may you may ride a few miles with me. I'm I will try. That'd be to great. Make that that'd be amazing. I don't know if it'll be ten amazing. miles or a hundred, but hey, you know what? Whatever we can get. How um, close I, does I do have some time end up next to you, Chappie? Where's your end destination? Uh, Pennsylvania. 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 You're in North Carolina, is, is that right? Depending on, I mean, I'm oh, you're in three and a half, four hours from New York City. So, and he's yeah, and maybe. I'm two hours from New York City. Yeah. So, Massachusetts north. is a hike. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I'm two you're hours north, like so. west. Well, you stuff, no. Oh, you're two uh, hours west. I'm two hours west. turning in, in my head. About I five could, hours. I could come surprise you and end up at your house, Chappie. That's a long <laughs> ride from my house. You're, you can stay at my house for the night, you know, one night if you want to. Two and be pushing it, but you know, one night. Yeah, there, here's a here's a good thing. Everybody remembers this. My father-in-law gave us this word of wisdom. He said, "Guests are like fish, and after three days, they start stinking really bad." Ah, uh, yeah. So don't ever overstay two, three at the most days. I've heard that guests are like boobs. Yeah, you know, one's not enough, and three is too many. Well, you can say that because you had three for a little bit, but I did. I did. Well, I only had the three nipples. I only had the two beers with three nipples, yeah. and it was one too many. Definitely. <laughs> but yeah, we wish you the best. Thank uh, you. Be in touch, but definitely, seriously, this is a good cause. Um, involves motorcycles and involves life and involves uh, people. What's so. not the love? Yes, exactly. and that bike. Oh my god, that bike is amazing. I sent you a picture of it, right? You should put it up someplace and give a big shout out to Go Fast, Don't Die. Like, get their stuff. Go they're fast, amazing. They're a great die. company. Yeah, their, their motto is raising heck since before we could cuss, which I think is great. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's not the, it's not the, you know, the, the rough and tumble biker gang kind of thing, which right. like, there's a place for that and it's cool. But yeah. you know, these guys are very much on brand with, with me, with, with like, you know, today's the day. So, so you know, start now, start making new old friends today. You know, that kind of stuff. I love yeah. that. Love that. Yeah. That is awesome. So, uh, we have one I'm, rule, Chappie and I, when we go do our dirt bike rides, it's been since the start of it. Don't fucking die. DFD. Oh, 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 oh boy. Lost connection to server. Uh, Shit. Don't do it again. Connection success. success. Reconnected. I love yeah, success. We got, we got like 10 <sighs> minutes left. Because of Zencaster. You didn't <sighs> you were late, so you didn't hear all that. That's okay. They changed that a little the heart attack. Free I tried to play rock star, even though Tim's really the rock star. We all know it. It's okay. No, no, no. No. Yeah, you are. Hell yeah. Christian right. rock star at best. That's yeah, the different connotation. <laughs> so Tim, it's like Canadian thank, football. Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Twice. Has, thank um, you. But and, and uh, both times were great. I think we Talk that you may come back uh, shortly after. I would love to tell after the trip and let everybody know how it went. Plan three episodes to record so we can get. I will. Yeah, just in case. (laughs) No, I I wish you the best. I mean, have that. Have a good, good time. Enjoy it. Um, Absolutely. I like to say that memories are the the currency of life. So make some memories, and you're doing it for a good cause. Be safe and, and. I'll be as safe as possible. I mean, we enjoy the heck out of it before we learn to curse. And I'm going to cuss a lot. If you want to follow along, the link in the description. Yep. 
check, check it out. Facebook and all that stuff. Figure it all out. All righty. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate Thank you coming you on. And, Thank uh, you, Cody. Thank you, Chappie. Hopefully I we'll appreciate talk to you it too. soon. Yes. Sounds good. Thank you. And thank your family for letting us steal you again. <laughs> I will. Yes. Well, that was an interesting interview. I, I really enjoyed hanging out with Tim. Uh, he's a unique individual. Whoa, I don't know yeah. what that was, but yeah, he is definitely unique. Very fun to hang out with uh, twice. <laughs> twice, yeah. And and yeah. a good sport because, I mean, that's cool. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so a uh, quick shout out. Uh Raptor Pack Adventures. Thank you for joining us on Patreon. Thank uh, you. Case- hello, Bubba J. Yes, hello, Bubba J. Thank you all, all of our patrons. We appreciate you so much. If you didn't catch it earlier, uh, we are going to take April's patron donations, and they are going to get flipped to the Highway to Hope. Highway to Hope. Uh, Links are in the description. That was the time of the show where we have to tell everybody about the discount code. Throttled ADV. You use that over at Mototomic. You get dry bags, hoodies, t-shirts, hats, cups. I mean, he's got a bunch of stuff. Uh, Most of the people that... uh, we communicate with have that stuff and everybody loves it. And you probably heard two weeks ago, Squatch said, you know, he wears his all the time. So yeah. I don't know any. Uh, freaking take her over her honor. That was, that was funny. That was awesome. Yeah. Squatch loves it. I love mine. He actually really, he's always talking about the Jersey too. So yeah, he did bring that up. He said he loves his Jersey. Um, See, uh, the witness protection guy was running his jersey at the ADV rally in, uh, I think it was Virginia. Yeah, baby. You can also use that discount code over at Moto Camp Nerd. He has everything you could ever want for camping off of a motorcycle. I know. When I go there, I'm just like, I want one of everything, please. Thank yeah, right. Drive through, please. <laughs> yeah, drive through. <laughs> and then. No more and then. <laughs> no more. <laughs> no more. My wallet hurts. Yeah. Um, yes, Ben gear. and Mary have been moto camping for years, so they they know their craft. So It's definitely the place to go. Absolutely. And he goes moto camping all summer long, and he sells the stuff that he uses. So it's quality stuff. And you can save by using that discount code. We also get need to give a big shout out to the B moto booty link in yeah. the description for that too. If Don't forget you're the janitor, in man. Work. Yeah. Getting some work done. I've got a rim out there. We've got a pipe that's getting coated and, uh, they're doing a, a shock rebuild repair for me. Awesome shop. I uh, started up my, uh, Cody proof engine the other day, just, it was too cold to ride, but I had to. I had to hear it. Yeah. It's purring like a kitten, man. Be moto. They know their stuff. Yeah, and even Squatch said uh, last week that he thinks it looks like it was done. You know, like factory. You know, when you see the factory motors yeah. and the motocross bikes. So, yeah, it they looks good. It. it sounds good. Runs good. Just need the yeah. snow to melt. So, like <laughs> Squatch was saying. You look like you can ride. 
Yeah, that's the key. <laughs> you can always tell the worst that's rider funny. in the parking lot because they they look the coolest. That's usually the worst rider. Yeah, and they're they're clean. <laughs> yeah, they're clean. They look good. Spent all their money on gear. Forgot forgot to get lessons. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Alrighty, so yeah, come join us over on Patreon. Uh, if you want to donate to the Highway to Hope, there's a link down in the description. There's also a link to his uh, link tree that you can you know follow him on Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very inspiring story. So I I would suggest checking it out. It's I mean I can't believe the crap he went through and oh, and his attitude. It? I was just blown away by his attitude. Just oh, yeah. He's funny but he's you know he just had a good attitude for, especially for some of the trials he'd been through. Right. Absolutely. All righty. Without further ado, thank you all for listening. This has been a long podcast. Thank you for sticking it through. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have Tim back in a few weeks to tell us about how his journey went. And uh, until then, next time, listen to the other episodes and we'll wrap you later, baby. (laughs) 